0: The following podcast is proudly brought to you by Vite Ramen. Use the link in the description and use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 10% off tasty, healthy, and easy-to-make ramen. And also use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Windows keys and Shrink to get 3% off everything else on the website at CDKeyOffer.com. Now on with the show. silicon a gaming hardware podcast i am your host tom and i'm joined today as i am on every news episode up here until now by my co-host dan how's it going dan Uh, i don't know i'm pretty good i guess you good i'm gonna be honest my brain just wants to to talk about Elden Ring every time (laughs) we start talking to each other. (laughs) Which and the same thing's happened with our audio engineer Gerard where me and him are just starting to talk about it via email a lot too. There's (laughs) he was actually a little upset that he had to edit the die shrink on what he called Elden Day.
1: Well Tom, uh, what what day what was Elden Day again? That would have been the twenty fifth is forever Elden Day. So I, Mm -hmm. I, I guess I understand.
0: Yeah. And we actually closely coordinated when me and you were recording, when he would get the files, when he'd get me back the files, because not only did he want to spend as little time editing it as possible and make sure it was timed perfectly with his gaming schedule, but I also wanted to see if I could get it back before I even went to sleep in U.S. time so that I could wake up with the die shrink prepped. And well, that's what happened. And uh, of course, I've been working some this week and preparing the notes for Broken Silicon. But besides that, it's been a lot of... I haven't gamed this much in a, in a short, few-day period of time for a while. Oh, that's good. What was the boss uh, we beat last night? Something Omen. Omen. Margot the Fell Omen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one, that's one of those bosses, you know, where we beat it the first time we fought it together. Not the first time I did. But it's just mind-blowing to me, like, how many hosts I went to help. And it's just, that bridge is a bloodbath right now. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I got news for anyone having trouble with that Omen boss. Next one's a lot worse.
1: <laughs> I just Don't got Don't worry, to it. there's an entire area you can, like, freaking entire map you can go through before that. So,
0: just do yeah. that. Which I think people forget that. It's like, if you're having trouble, go somewhere else. There's always yeah. stuff to get somewhere else. Um, unlike a lot of previous games where it was like, well, I guess I'm stuck here. Like what, in Dark Souls 1 in the, the swamp? It's like, well, I guess I'm stuck fighting the Quelaag and I can't teleport, so this sucks.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people that the uh I I remember when I first played Dark Souls 1, uh I got stuck I got stuck in that area where the uh frame rate is terrible and that mm-hmm. one bonfire uh in the sewer. No, not the sewer. Oh. Uh, the bonfire before the sewer, that's um God, I can't on remember on top of the scaffolding like, and stuff. Yeah, that's there. So I just, just kept running yeah, down. The frame rate's almost the... worse in that part, isn't it? Yeah. It's like real bad and you can fall off the edge. Yeah, so I was just like for hours trying to get to that uh, one sewer bonfire and uh, dying all the time. <laughs> and eventually I got it, but good times.
0: All right, well, that's enough Elden Ring talk for now. It does come up in the news later, but I think we should get moving. I actually have a reader mail here, Dan, a real reader mail from the Moore's mm-hmm. Law at PO Box. A reminder that we have a PO Box you can send fan mail to, packages. Just remember, try to email us if you send us a letter so that usps doesn't dump it i guess <laughs> mm-hmm. after a while but anyways this guy goes dear Law lost dead happy holidays yeah i know that we're reading it now but we did get it like late january uh I hope the next year is treating you well. I wanted to write to you and express my appreciation for your channel. You've brought so many good points up in the hardware and tech space, providing me with entertainment on my commutes to work. One topic I particularly am in heavy agreement with you on is your appreciation for resolution and the clear difference between 1440p and 4K. What really inspired me, though, to write is that your mention of Deep Rock Galactic. It is a very dear game to me that I've kept up with since beta and it warms my heart to hear that you play it as well anyways i hope my words reach you and you know that you are appreciated and p.s feel free to block me or <laughs> at any point if you want if you add me online um well i'm not going to block you but i do appreciate your reader mail and i do apologize for how long it took to us to read something that opens with happy holidays but truthfully this did get to us like a month or two after you sent it cool yeah <laughs> I wonder if there's anything going on in the world right now that's caused, like, a backlog of logistics. Like, yeah, one, two, know. three things on several continents. But, uh, yeah, again, reminder, we have a P.O. box. Um, moving... And another reminder, get Deep Rock Galactic. Get Deep Rock Galactic, <laughs> yes. Um, Q for Kumbo writes in and says, hey, Tom and Dan. What are y'all's favorite Pokemon, or are you guys one of those weirdos that think Digimon was better? No, I remember when we were younger, we liked Pokemon, and there was like one weekend we watched Digimon because our friend made us. One of my I don't remember
1: Digimon at all.
0: Yeah, and, I, and then I like watched it for a week, and then I got bored. But, on subject, my favorite Pokemon, Ho-Oh, Gengar, and Alakazam. Those are my three favorites. Oh, this is so hard for me. It's been such a long time since I've
1: played Pokemon. I like Squirtle. Squirtle's cool.
0: Squirtle is your favorite Pokemon. Yeah. This that's is the one actually, I was
1: picked at the beginning of Pokemon game, so
0: oh, that's interesting. And, and, it is. Um, I didn't even know realize that. I would I would usually go with that or like Charmander or something. So I guess mm-hmm. But I guess not Blastoise. Fuck Blastoise. Alright. No, I'm kidding. Fuck, Blastoise, Blastoise is cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess you might argue I kinda like liked Abracadabra more than Alakazam, but I mean, come on, Dan. Just go with the stronger one i mean what are we doing here okay, okay. fine <laughs> scott Erkelman writes in oh my goodness and he says on april fool's day can someone please send tom and dan an rtx 39 dti founder's Edition to the peel box i want to see him have fun with that honestly i won't say no to being sent to 39 dti but i will say that i'm not even sure how i would approach testing it i i had trouble fitting multiple cards in my case. It's not the smallest case, but it's somewhat compact. But I probably have to do something. I do have a PCIe Gen 4 extender that I've tested, and it was pretty expensive, actually, in case I needed to put a giant card in my case, as I figured this is probably a problem that's not going to go away. Um, And I guess I'd also just use the new Alder Lake test system I'm building. But I don't know. It'd be very limited testing because I was... The overclocked 3080 Ti, the heat was just so much that I got fed up with playing on it i can't imagine what a 450 watt one that was 400 watts overclocked would feel like but yeah. if someone if someone gets one of the 10 cards they make and send it i will definitely do a review i guess i'll say that hey tom i hear there might be 30 might be 30 you know i i mean you know i'm, I'm gonna actually, be honest i'd actually be surprised if there's thirty ninety of them made like based on what i'm told about the 3090 ti i'd honestly be surprised if there are more than a few thousand
1: i agree i am curious if i could even fit that
0: thing in my case either though i mean it's a triple slot so you have room for three slots i believe in yours right i'm talking about the the length not the height of it (laughs) i'm guessing you barely could technically i think i could fit one in there but i'd have to like move a radiator around and stuff i just I'm not. Go- I'm probably not going to bother doing that. Yeah. I'm just going to find some other way of getting it in there because it's not a permanent fixture of my case. Um, I don't know, Dan. Just look at your case. Can you put a Series X in it? If you can, you can fit it. If you can't, it's going to be close. I don't
1: think I could fit a Series X in my case.
0: <laughs> it's as long as a Series X, I believe, is tall. Like, exactly the same or close. Um, okay. <laughs> anyways, though... Let us move on. Now, the first thing I want to get through here, I wasn't going to touch on too much, but I'm going to because I have an inside contact who wrote me a message kind of explaining, um, g- giving some input into to a current situation. So I'm going to bring it up now. So What I have here is a quick word on the Ukraine-Russia situation and its effect on semiconductors. Now, this comes from a manager at a major company Moore's Laws Dead regularly covers. That is the wording he was okay with. So I won't say which company, but yes, it's one of the biggest ones we cover every week. Um, And he goes, I thought you might be interested to hear this, Tom. A lot of U.S. tech firms have engineering teams in Russia, both as contractors and full-time hires. And a lot of these teams are very important. When they talk about sanctions to make it impossible to send money to Russia, regardless of whether that is the right idea, there is a cost here to our firms. I'm seeing executives scramble on a daily basis to figure out how to cover for the loss of whole teams of engineers. It's crazy. Now I'm not suggesting I'm against these sanctions, but I will say that with this whole kicking them out of Swift thing that's happening, I just lost a bunch of absolutely incredible engineers that I had working for me. It's upsetting, and if you might argue, it's the right thing to do. I'm going to have to bring in consultants to fill the gap, and it will take time to get them going. It's a real blow to what I'm doing. These really are damaging sanctions to Russia that could set their tech sector back decades. But it's also going to cause all sorts of problems for product launches. So I just thought that was worth reading here because I see people talking abstractly about, oh, shipping chips. And I have a link in the description about AMD and Intel suspending shipments to Russia. But it's not just the shipments to Russia. They have whole divisions of some of these major firms like NVIDIA, AMD, Intel that work there that are essential to facets of some of these products being designed right now. And I, I can't say who this is, which one he works for, nor which division, but it's he works on some of the biggest chips you've seen mentioned in the news. And this is, I think, worth mentioning.
1: Yeah, the the, the decision about making sanctions, one, it it's going to have impa- impact on people that are outside of that sphere, and it's going to have impact on people inside of the country that has sanctions. And I mean, it would be great if... These types of things could be done without Mm. damaging everyday people, but it's unfortunate that the the decisions of a government have to impact a bunch of people that are just trying to live their lives.
0: Yeah, and again, I I bring this up for two reasons. I want to be very clear. He wanted to make clear to me that he's not saying the sanctions are the wrong idea, nor me and Dan saying we're against them, but we are saying there is a certain degree... Some of it's understandable, like any government that does sanctions is going to play up or actually Angry Planet, uh, which um, uh, one of the hosts of that was recently on Broken Silicon. They re-release an episode over sanctions and they bring up a really important point about like how they work and like what they're really useful for. And that usually, whether you agree with them or not, they tend to be downplayed how there will be blowback to the country applying them. Right. Because if there's trade with Russia, it was beneficial. The countries doing the trade wouldn't have been doing it unless it benefited them. So there will be some blowback, and I just want to make that clear because I think I feel like people are downplaying. I feel like there is a certain amount of I don't know if naive. What's the word I'm looking for? But like just downplaying and underestimating how big of a deal what's going on in the U- invasion of Ukraine is right now, and how it's going to affect everyone for decades to come. There will be products delayed because of this. Gases yeah. prices are going up. Gas is used to make plastic and ship everything. That means everything being shipped is going to have some sort of price increases. Will that be enough to offset the lessening of shortages? I'm actually not sure it will be, but it will affect us. And so I just feel like a lot of companies and a lot of people looking at the stock market right now, and again, this isn't financial advice are like downplaying the repercussions. There, there will be repercussions from this on semiconductors. I just, need to say that
1: yeah and i actually uh just to bring back that uh angry planet episode uh, again they had a person on that you know helped recommend and write sanctions throughout multiple presidential administrations mm-hmm. on and it, i think it was an older episode of like their premium show that they put out mm-hmm. uh but if you want to understand sanctions Somewhat, I think it's a good thing to listen to.
0: Yeah, the newest Angry Planet, I think of this posting, of not, if not of this posting, then the one that I believe came out Saturday or uh, the 25th of the 26th, that's the one we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we're also plug them friends of the show, but I, I brought this up because I, I we have to, because this is a going to affect us. This is going to affect the products we cover, and so we have to cover it. And so on that note, what I want to say is two things. We're never going and we're going to undoubtedly, Dan pointed out a story that's going to be related to the Ukraine-Russia situation, again, by silly reasons based on what Dan thinks. But, you know, we are never going to be afraid to bring up touchy political subjects if we feel it directly affects us, because it does. We cover gaming hardware in the business and companies related to it. We have to cover this but we're going to cover it in so much as it affects us. We're not going to get Mm -hmm. into some political, you know, mudslinging here. And I, I also say that to bring up, you know, we will bring it up how it affects us in a literal and factual way, but that's all we really plan to do because we don't want this to turn into rants about political subjects that become unrelated to this because we know people listen to this. We have a lot of listeners in Russia We have listeners in ukraine we have listeners i've seen listeners in belarus i've seen listeners all over i think we have a listener in at least every country on earth pretty much even some very very smaller ones and so we want you to come to this channel to listen to gaming hardware and our discussions of it if something's Mm -hmm. happening in your country that's political that affects it we're going to talk about it but we're not going to do grandstanding or whatever so i just want to say that though we aren't going to be afraid to cover how the Ukraine-Russia conflict affects us, but also we're not going to beat you over the head with anything because we know you come here not to hear about people getting blown up, but to hear about AMD. Yeah. You know, and Intel and NVIDIA and so on and so forth. So you're all welcome here, but don't be mad that we talk about it. We will talk about it on subject. All right. Now that we're past that kind of almost a story, let us move into corrections and omissions. Uh, BBC 6,800 XT big sexy writes in I, so guys, the names might need to just be toned down at a certain point here. <laughs> You're just going crazy with some of these names. But anyways, he says, Tom. Just watch Broken Silicon 140, where you discuss the $200 paywall from Best Buy's Total Tech Membership for buying NVIDIA GPUs. And I have some insights regarding the matter as someone who works there. I'd like to point out that Total Tech Membership replaced the previous Geek Squad tech membership, which also had a prorated refund policy based on how long you had it active. This is also true of the Geek Squad protection plans. It's been standard practice with monthly payments being removed and cancellation being more difficult... Uh, thing to do. That aside, I've pointed out in the past that Best Buy stopped offering GSPP, so Geek Squad protection plans, for GPUs around 2019 or earlier or early 2020 due to being abused constantly in the return policy. Customers would claim they'd have error 43 issues or the likes with their GPUs to get store credit under warranty and then use the store credit to upgrade the same day to the newest GPUs. Without GSPP, Best Buy was making next to nothing on graphics cards. The us. Total Tech membership, this anti-scalper move of requiring TTM also makes sense given the lack of GSPP for most PC parts as a whole. Even with cancelled membership, Best Buy would at least be compensated for their troubles and make some money. Best Buy is also offering a bit of an olive branch by allowing Total Tech membership to provide some sort of protection or warranty like service for parts like GPS. Keep in mind that Best Buy cancels orders of resellers when they notice a buying pattern outside of what's deemed normal. Purchasing patterns regular. Customers at another Best Person, tell me too that there were some days where like 98% of purchases were from bots and they canceled almost everything. You know, so this does. They do. They some of the people I've talked to at Best Buy do feel this helps, but he he's almost done. There are ways to circumvent this. So always TTM would require an account with verified info. You have to show an ID for pickup too. Changing info on an account is still going to show up in your account history unless you go through the trouble of officially transferring your account to another person. This makes it easier for Best Buy to check unofficial resellers or scalpers buying up stock. Not a perfect solution, but there's a lot more going on than just a cash grab. Although I have to be honest, it is a cash grab too. And I thought I I thought I conveyed that, or I know I said something to that effect when we last talked about this, but I probably didn't elaborate enough that half of the best, I think I said that though, like half the Best By people do think there are legitimate reasons mm-hmm. this is going on. And so I guess I had to read this to outline what those legitimate reasons were. Yeah. You know, scalpers
1: kind of muddy the water with everything <laughs> and it, it, the fact that there are just bots that buy up 98% of stocks uh well attempt to buy up 98% of stocks is unavoidable I guess in our current day and age and hopefully other policies can at some point can mitigate them but you know it's an evolutionary thing They're they're going to come up with a mitigation scalpers are going to come up with a solution around that mitigation and mm-hmm. it's in arms race
0: i think at a minimum what these companies can do is there needs to be a ticket system that you get in line to get it and you need an id to buy it and and they verify yeah. the yeah. id that if you do that it is really hard on scalpers or and i think i remember like honestly a year ago tim at hardware Unboxed bringing this up um, and one of his streams with Steve or something where he's like, I just don't get get it Nvidia makes you sign in to use their drivers right there They can verify who owns a graphics card and has been a long-term user of Nvidia products and avoid scalpers that way
1: You would think these solutions they already have in place could be used to solve the issue But I guess they're not, um i don't know what to say to that i mean i guess their argument is like what so if a scalper manages to get a gpu and make a new bot account or whatever for the tons of gpus they buy what does that mean that they just brick those graphics cards i guess that's something they could do but
0: no i would just say like you can order direct from nvidia while you have the graphics card installed and then maybe they ship it and you have one week to switch to a specific sku mm-hmm. that you just ordered and then they verify it and go okay you know obviously there's still ways to get around that and once they have the card anyways it's like whatever but they could blacklist accounts and they could put some effort into it, it it's just i would argue it's almost like nvidia doesn't care if scalpers or miners buy their cards <laughs> yeah <laughs> qh freddy writes him uh let's see wrt ftc and the mergers and acquisitions I think he just means regarding. The general term for the practices they consider is anti-competitive practice, not monopolistic practices, which involves many things such as distribution contracts and other agreements, basically anything that is harmful to the market and health. Well, it is one factor the competition bodies consider. The existence of a monopoly is far from the only factor that gets analyzed. And even where there is a monopoly, there generally still needs to be other problems for the market health before competition body steps in. I would say generally that's true. But I think if you listen to the, what is it, the uh, the last, the Broken Silicon with Richard Hogue, he brings up a good point of like, look, a lot of this enforcement is political. It depends on who's in office and who they've appointed to persecute these and there are just some there are some administrations that are more serious about stopping monopolies and others that don't care
1: well yeah i mean of course there is it's you know everything is a- at the end of the day with like regulatory bodies where the the president appoints people there's a, of course going to be different uh i don't know different stances uh from any administration or Any, I don't know, like 20-year period, depending on how that regulatory body is controlled.
0: But yes, that is a good thing QH Freddy brought up, though, the difference between monopolistic and anti-competitive. I probably use those interchangeably a few times in a couple episodes when they're not the same thing. Yeah, I mean, they're related concepts, but... Mm -hmm. All right, Bullethead writes in. Hey Tom, I was listening to Die Shrink 65, the one about what makes a real product or what you can argue when you can argue if a product was real. And in my opinion, you kind of went on a weird rant about reviews as a response to Clean Sweep's comment that people consider the 6500 XT and the 3050 competitors. Well, nothing you said about reviews was incorrect, in my opinion. But I do think that the numerical scores on reviews seem to be decreasing in relevance every year. They do, but I still think it's weird when I see them, so that's why I bring it up. So I think you missed the point of what seemed like a very consumer perspective comment. From what I understood, Clean Sleep was saying that people compare those two GPUs primarily based on their market segment custom categorization first, which is the bottom of the product stack slash entry-level GPU. Then they evaluate by their price point, features, and availability. You seem to want people to use a different hierarchy to evaluate GPUs. But aside from availability, performance, and features, I'm not really sure what you expect the average consumer to prioritize when trying to compare GPUs. Like, I get the feeling you would be confused or frustrated when people, not just reviewers, compare entry-level Arc to the 6500 XT and 3050, and that's the most obvious comparison in the world to most consumers because of the market segment they're in. And it maybe a good way to put it is this: If you were making an online PC store, what filtering options, categories would you put on the GPU page? Well, I mean. There's just what they, they, they filter by price and ram, amount of RAM basically for the most part.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think I would feel filter by bottom of
0: product stack. Exactly. And so I did actually write up here cause I wanted to take you 'cause cause I wanted to take this correction, you know, and think about it, not rush to make an answer, but I don't get the arc reference you make. I don't know. We need a way for final performance pricing availability before I make any judgment. So I'm not confused about something I don't even think yet. Let me just say that. But I went back and looked at Clean Sweep's question from Die Shrink, which of course patrons get access to, and I quote: I'm quoting one part of what Clean Sweep said. I'm not surprised the 3050, with its non-existent supply, is being compared to the 6500 XT because they're both battling for the lowest price for acceptable performance and features spot in the current hell market. Here's my response to that, and I reiterate, Bullethead, and maybe I'll be more, less antagonistic and more clear about what I mean. Hopefully this time. I'm not surprised they were compared either, but I'm directly saying this. I feel it is a blunder, in my opinion, and that's at least my opinion, to directly equivalent the tiers of the 3050, the 6500 XT, out of academic testing. You can compare them if you want, but I feel like that's more academic because they're not comparable. The 3050 is priced and has a die size similar to the 6600, not the 6500 XT. And that is a reality I would hope people realize when they review these cards. You can disagree with me if you want, but I feel that's worth pointing out. And I want to say two more things. You know, my problem in giving a card a score that doesn't exist and then giving its competitor a bad score is I'm not sure what the evaluation even was. One of them doesn't exist. Why is the other one getting a worse score if you can't buy one? And second, there is a lower tier. Go to Newegg. The 1650 is 280. That's the 6500 XT competitor until further notice. If you live on Earth, and I know it sounds antagonistic for me to put it that way, but I just don't know how not to be a little annoyed. If you live on Earth, the 3050 does not cost the same as the (laughs) 6500 XT. So I'm just saying it has a die size twice as big. It costs twice as much. They are not competing. Even if NVIDIA pretends they're the same price, they aren't. That is my point.
1: I think the whole thing is if I'm as a consumer trying to compare cards, I if I go to Newegg and I I don't know I'm looking to spend two to three hundred dollars on a graphics card. Am I going to now look at the 3050? What am I? What's the comparison from a consumer perspective? Like you said and like we talked about in that die shrink, the 60 I mean not the 65 the 3050 is for all intents and purposes a 6600 competitor because that's what it's priced at. It's the same amount of RAM, similar die size, same price. At the time of recording, the sixty—I mean, the thirty fifty—was drifting up close to the sixty-six hundred XT in some in some cases. Not even the sixty-six hundred. I haven't checked the prices in probably a week or so, so I don't know. Maybe they're—they've mm-hmm. stabilized at a lower point. Last time I checked, I believe they were drifting towards where the sixty-six hundred was, though. So, its competitor in the market with AMD is the sixty-six hundred because that's the price point
0: point. Mm-hmm. and again it gets funny when you consider it also has a similar die size and amount of ram so i don't even think it's i think even from an academic perspective it's more competitive comparable and if you have a problem with that i don't know what to say that's just that is what i think and you know once you realize that and you go yeah you know if you have a pcie 4.0 or i guess 5.0 system Um, and you have a 6500 XT and you don't run out of RAM. It is, if you look up the recent Elden Ring benchmarks, it is 80, 90% the performance of a 3050, but the 3050 isn't even the competitor. It's competing with the 1650. And that's my point. And to your point of, you know, he says maybe a better way to put it is how would you categorize filtering on the GPU page? There's nothing to change. I go to Newegg right now and I put in the filters, eight gigabytes of RAM. And then what did I put in like 300 to $500? 6,500 XT isn't popping up here. The 3050 is, and so is the 6,600, because at the end of the day, 6,500 XT costs almost half as much. It if The filter doesn't need to change. The filter is actually filtering for what I'm saying. Yeah. So, all right. Hope that clears that up. Let us then finally, when I thought we're almost 30 minutes into this episode or something, get to the first story. Story number one. I just titled this, Let's Recap RDNA 3 versus RTX 40, or should I, versus uh, Lovelace expectations. And I have a write up here based on commenting on tons of recent Twitter quote unquote leaks, some stuff I've said in videos. For the opening story, I thought it would be a good idea to recap what has recently been rumored by others online regarding Lovelace and RDNA 3, and what yours truly believes is likely for these architectures at this point. First of all, Lovelace, 100% confirmed by multiple sources that power usage is going up. Early targets were 60 to 80% performance increase over Ampere as of probably about a year ago from now. The highest estimates remain, as of today, 90 to 100% performance increase in rasterization over Ampere if NVIDIA pushes it. Ray tracing is expected to outpace raster by 20 to 40%. So again, if it's 100% better, than ampere raster, it's 140% probably better array tracing. At this point, Moore's Laws Dead can confirm that 400 to 550 watt TDPs are expected by all Moore's Laws Dead sources for the top chip. Nobody can confirm anything above 600 watts is likely, though. And some of Moore's Laws Dead's best sources have flat out called 850 watt rumors, and this is quoting one source, utter bullshit. And it's worth mentioning that 60 to 80% performance increase over Ampere for Lovelace was before NVIDIA pushed it, and that was expected to be in a 350 to 400-watt card. There have always been suggestions, and this was leaked by Moore's Laws did half a year ago too, that a low-end or mid-range Lovelace could launch first in quarter two or quarter three, but that's not 100% confirmed at this point. All right, moving on. RDNA 3 summary from my perspective. 100% it's MCM. Two. It is firmly expected to be 90 to 120% stronger than RDNA2. Ray tracing is expected to be far higher than double RDNA2. Power consumption is expected to be between. 350 to 450 watts for the top chip depending on how hard they push it and 512 or possibly but unlikely at this point 256 megabytes of infinity cache is what is expected based on designs that have been seen but note that this number is misleading much of this massive increase in infinity cache is to mitigate latency issues don't think of it as if it were a one-to-one bandwidth increase (laughs) much like from Turing to Ampere as well FP32 increases will not directly translate into the same increase in performance if it has triple the Teraflop it will not be triple the performance so in summary amd is still expected to win in raw raster performance and maybe ray tracing but nvidia is expected to pull some shenanigans to act like they will win and push their cards very hard likely they will pretend they are winning when they turn on ray tracing and dlss 3.0 at the same time although people will be good to remember that a potential fsr 2.0 could negate nvidia's dlss advantage later this year oh And if NVIDIA pushes power to 500 watts and especially past 600 watts, all sources agree that Lovelace will undoubtedly cost more to make to produce than even an MCM RDNA 3. And a final reminder, if NVIDIA pushes their card to 600 watts, no one has suggested AMD can't push their card to 450 watts or 500.
1: (sighs) I would like to not see a world where those are our two options for the top end, but... (laughs) That's reality i guess
0: and of course this is responding to a flurry of recent tweets that have come out you know some people suggesting 800 850 watts and all i can say is at this point nvidia and remember i confirmed when did i confirm the 3090 ti well, okay. I was going to say two or three months before it comes out, but we still don't know if it's winner, if it's ever coming out. But before they revealed it, I believe about a month before, or two months before they, two months, I think, but kind of before they mm-hmm. revealed the 39 ETI, I confirmed 100% it's real. And this, one of the sources that confirmed that was a major OEM that NVIDIA was communicating with saying, hey, prepare your stuff for 450 watt cards. And he was like, mm-hmm. supposedly coming out in quarter one. Is this Lovelace? And I'm like, no, this is this is the 3090 Ti, man. <laughs> and so some of these same sources that have been very accurate about what Nvidia's coming releasing with TDPs, because they have to know ahead of time what to design mm-hmm. their pre-built systems for. They're communicating to me, to this day, 400 watts plus. None of them are saying 600 watts plus. So up until now, I would assume any 850-watt SKU of Lovelace is either being confused with a Hopper SKU, a Data Center Lovelace, or some absurd version that they'll make 10 of and send to reviewers. But the mass-manufacturable, there's not an 850-watt card. There's not, like, a dual 295. (laughs) I have to
1: say, an 850-watt card, I know there's the – perspective that people think that people don't care about power usage and I think that's true to an extent like up till 400 watts I bet a lot of people just don't straight up don't care power supplies are pretty good they're pretty cheap now you can get a 1000 watt power supply for not that expensive anymore um but once you're getting into the 850 range that's 850 watt range that's getting to a point where I don't think this graphics card is usable like, mm-hmm. just straight up. I, and I'm not saying that that it exists or will be sold to consumers or something. I'm just saying, like, I don't think that is a usable graphics card for a consumer, for
0: most consumers, at least. And again, I know that Hopper could hit a 1,000 watts on one of the monolithic cards, but this is for data center, where you have insane fan cooling systems or liquid cooling, where there a liquid cooler that's entirely custom enterprise level and crazy expensive, or... Delta fans, refrigerated
1: rooms. I
0: mean, and then or Delta fans that you'll literally go deaf if you're standing next to it every day in refrigerated rooms too. Yeah, like that's what we're talking about. And Hopper is expected in the monolithic form. Both, either whether it's MCM or monolithic, the monolithic one is even expected to be 900 millimeters squared. So probably you know 20 to 50 percent bigger than the die size of Lovelace. To suggest you'll get to a similar power consumption in that tight of a space is, I think, absurd. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not like you're double cooling. The, the There's a runaway effect with heat density and the cooling required. Like, uh, again, like this is the same. If it's a similar size to Turing or Ampere with triple, double to triple the power usage, guys... I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know what you could use to cool it in a consumer, in like a consumer desktop. I, I, I think the uh, issue of a power supply is a legitimate issue because I think you would need like a 1200 watt power supply. Oh, absolutely. At least run that. And that 1200 watts might be cutting it a little close. At least I don't know if that power
0: supply would last very long. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, maybe they'll do that with some special edition, but I don't, I just don't think they're going to have... Uh, I have no information they're going to have an 800 watt or more 4090 Ti and then like a, or 4090 is what I saw tweeted, or a, and then a 600 watt 4080. Like they have to keep the 4080, I believe below 450 watts, below 400 watts because, and again, I'm of the opinion that NVIDIA will at least target going to what they know the typical user of a card can take. Again, so Mm -hmm. the 4070 can maybe be 300 watts instead of 220 because I think most people can power a 300 watt card at this point if they can do a 220 watt and I I think that a 4080 at 350 watts makes some sense any maybe even 380 watts but I think over 400 you go no the people who had 30 3080s before a significant portion of them can't even upgrade now without a new power supply yeah and again in a vacuum that might be worth it but they're not in a vacuum AMD is going to be even more aggressive battle mage will be launching after that people have options they don't have to buy nvidia i know some pe- a lot of people think they do but it is part of nvidia's calculus for sure and even if they push the limits of what the upgrade tiers can move on to i don't think they're going to push it by triple uh, fit like 450 watt forty seventy. i don't think so
1: yeah and you know I-, I think based on the two metrics about raster and ray tracing performance increase with both systems i think what that suggests is that raster one is going to barely edge out the other next generation and same goes for uh same goes for ray tracing so if we're at basically basic parity with those two metrics i and amd uses i don't know 100 to 150 watts fewer watts on their uh, flagship thing i don't know why people wouldn't get that instead unless you know ray tracing turns out to still be somehow way weaker on rdna3
0: which i guess maybe but it kind of to me sounds like ray tracing will be close uh, uh, unless I learn something new soon about Lovelace, and and, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be a lot better than Ampere's ray tracing. I just I think ray tracing is probably gonna be somewhat close, but in raster, I do believe AMD could pull ahead by ten to thirty percent while using less energy. And mm-hmm. again, I want to be clear. People keep bringing up, well, Jensen doesn't like losing. He'll push it harder, guys. I it was already like losing at four hundred watts. Pushing it harder is five hundred to six hundred watts. <laughs> Yeah. You you don't just get linear scaling of performance the more power you add. If you go from 600 to 800 watts, you're probably adding three percent. And by the way, if you do that, then AMD will go fine. Here's a special edition 600 watt. They can do it too.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then there, like you say, that Infinity Cache is a, a likely a lot of latency mitigations. But we still don't know to what degree that Infinity Cache is going to just be for latency, and you know how much that will directly increase bandwidth. So that could be a big factor for the performance of AMD.
0: If it was just a monolithic design somehow, I think 256 megabytes would actually be more than enough uh, based on what we've seen. But I think Mm -hmm. they're just doubling it again because there's, Two, at least two dies communicating and you need to mitigate that. And again, and again, in terms of the latency mitigation, I think they're going wide again based on what I'm told of like massively more FP32 almost organized in an ampere way, but MCM and clocked faster. And if you have a lot of latency, then going wide makes sense. At the end of the day, though, again, I say by the end of this year, I am really excited. You know, I really think we're going to have stuff that if you think about it and I know there's some debate I still see people say like you know 6900 XT can't even do 4K well and I'm like I don't know I disagree at least the games I play my 3070 as long as I manage VRAM usage does 4K fine wouldn't you agree with the 6700 XT
1: yeah you know I'm not going to say that the 6700 XT is like a you know just put on 4K put all the things on max settings and you're good Karn but i i think your games are that good though right yeah uh, n- newer games you can't do that with like battlefield 2042 you can't do that with but at a certain point it in my opinion it almost doesn't matter with the quality you're getting like i don't think there's that much of a perceptible difference i think the 6700 xt is fine for gaming in 4k yeah i i maybe some people would argue, well, it's actually more of a fourteen forty P card, but I, I think the discussion and I've said we've said this before uh, of what a like ten the resolution a card can game at has drastically changed over the years to the point where people are saying like a ten eighty P card or a fourteen forty P card isn't that unless it can do like two forty Hertz max settings on it. And it's like, okay, well, most people aren't gaming at two forty Hertz, so why are we talking about this?
0: Yeah. And I think There's a counter that needs to be said to two sides of this, I believe, misguided point is that anyone who says 4K is a waste of time, you should respond Ultra is a waste of time. And anyone, you know, who says, you know, higher settings are always a waste should say, well you can tell the difference they're not at a given resolution it's always a balance and i guess what i'm saying is with my 3070 whether the game supports DLS, the games that need it usually have dlss support or fsr support for you dan not a, not all the time now but you have that driver thing you can force pretty soon i think like we're getting to a point where i'm always happy with the settings if it's a little below 4k whatever you know and i can't imagine right cuz i don't even have like a 3090 which is like 50% better than what i have like if we get to something du- over double that So we're talking about, you know, (laughs) something that's three times the performance or more than my 3070. I mean, 4K will be a joke at that point, I feel. And I feel like my card's almost good enough where I do turn on ray tracing in some games. And if you give me like five times the ray tracing performance, oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be easy to turn on a lot of games.
1: Yeah, I agree. And at a certain point, like, I think the only interesting thing that we we will see at, at a certain point with increases in power of a card is like how much better it is at ray tracing because I think a generation, certain, right? Is yeah, I think at a certain point it's just going to be like, yeah, if
0: everything looks great at 4K. Cool. <laughs> I am proud to say that Vite Ramen is a sponsor of Moore's Laws Dead. The Vite Ramen company is an American company that pays its workers fair wages and engineered a tasty. Healthy and cheap meal that you can cook in less than five minutes. And these meals just got tastier with their updated version three of their ramen recipe. Meals aren't really healthy unless you keep coming back to eat the healthy ones. And that's what they've done with these updates to version three. Now is the best time to order some Vite Ramen. So if you're busy, hungry, or just looking for a pre made meal that isn't expensive, get some nudes sent to you. Click the link in the description and use the code BROKENSILICON to save. 10% on your order. This helps me. This saves you money. And this supports a good company. Buy Vite Ramen today. And so let me move on to some reader mails uh, attached to this. QH Freddy writes in, does a burst TDP on a graphics card even make sense? That's something I've suggested that when I see reports of like 500 plus watts for the top Lovelace, I think... And I think that there's something to be said that it might be like Rocket Lake where it boosts as long as it can if it can sense your system can take it and then throttles down Mm -hmm. to 400 watts as often as possible. Which I guess cards kind of already do that, but it's just they kind of have the power limits unlocked by default on Lovelace. But he says, on a CPU in games, you'll never hit the maximum power draw playing games. They don't load the processor in the same way something like a renderer does. In the case of a renderer, sure, you lose some speed after a minute when the power limit drops off, but in games yet, you get consistent performance. On a GPU since games, basically are capable of loading the GPU up to the maximum power draw does it make sense to drop down the power after a minute imagine this you load into a game get 144 frames per second then after a minute it drops to 100 unless this is some ploy by Nvidia debate reviewers into believing the performance is higher by running at least part of a short benchmark runs at higher FPS and they can in a sustained way I just don't see it happening and if they do go for such a ploy I'm pretty confident reviewers will pick on it pretty quickly and a video get a lot of bad press for it so QH Freddy, I have two things to say to your point. I think you do have a point, and I do believe some reviewers will pick on it, but consider the level of performance we're talking about. The example you give, you load up a game, you get 144 frames per second, after a minute it drops down to 100. If I was NVIDIA, the way I would market it is we easily run above 144 hertz, and when it's ever a problem, that's when it bursts up. See, if Mm. this was Ampere, and the default was 500 watts, I agree, it can't always run every game maxed out in 4K 120, but we're not talking about Ampere. We're talking about double the performance of Ampere. I don't think games have caught up to this level of performance now, and I think NVIDIA will say, you rarely need this much anyways, but when you need it, it goes up, and a few years it will become an issue when it does start throttling all the time, but I wonder if it won't be at first because most games won't saturate it easily. Hmm. Kind of like, Dan, remember the 7970 where I overclocked it by 35% performance and I had it pushing 300 watts from 220 watts or Mm -hmm. something like at first, I just always had it at that insane level because back then 1080p was high resolution, you know, almost or no, literally a decade ago. (laughs) And it was fine because playing Metro 2033 back then, most of the time at the settings I was gaming at It wasn't at 100%, but when it was, it would push to 300 watts. But, you know, I started turning it down over time because eventually games got harder to run, and then it did throttle.
1: Yeah, the the only thing I could imagine is if... Well, I mean, I guess the issue is already an issue with stutter. I do wonder if, like, a burst uh, TDP on a GPU would introduce some, like, annoying stuttering artifacts or something. I don't
0: know. I mean, it could, but that's a problem NVIDIA has to solve if they want to sell a a 500 watt EVU, yeah. and yeah. I'm just making the argument, QH Freddy, it, that's the argument I would make if I was Jensen. This thing is so powerful. We already brought the biggest performance. I'm Jensen right now on stage holding something the size of a microwave that's called the 4090, and I'm just like, we already brought the biggest increase in every generation with Ampere. Now we're doubling that again, and it's like, you didn't, first of all, but second of all, and he's like, it's so powerful, in fact, that we've decided to unlock the power, because if we unlock the power, This thing, you're almost never running it at 100%. You're almost never running it at 80%, but we do find small areas of games Mm -hmm. can push this card, and that's when it hits 600 watts, but only for a minute when you really need it. This is the strong, like, I think it's actually a decent Jensen impression too, but, like, I think that's the argument he'll make. Yeah. You know, and otherwise, um, I also think they'll come with two options, maybe, in the drivers, like, Kind of like the 290X Uber mode where it's like, oh, but also it can run in a 350 watt mode that's 90% of the performance and loses to AMD, but we want all (laughs) benchmarkers to do the super mode in a good case. I think that's another thing you have to think about. Like, NVIDIA is going to find a way to say they haven't lost. And I think this is a way they'll do it. It's not by launching an 850-watt card. It's by launching a really 400-watt card that can run 600 watts, but not in 90% of gamers' systems. But they'll make it look like that's the performance.
1: Yeah, I I mean, having their cake and eating it, too.
0: I'm not uh, confirming that's what they'll do, but that's what I suspect. Because I don't see them walking on stage and just being like, 600 watts! I think what they'll say is it can when you need it
1: uh <laughs> yeah because i I'm imagining trying to sell six hundred watts we wanted you to get all the power you needed out of this card so we're unlocking the six hundred watts at all times for the gamers yeah the <laughs> I gamers. don't know how you sell that exactly
0: um my nope. alpha six hundred watt GPU. All right, so wait, moving on then. Sammy Good writes in, I'm concerned that most PC gamers don't really care about the increasing power requirements of GPUs. It seems to me that making cards bigger and pumping out more power through them isn't exactly innovation. Am I wrong? First of all, to to answer this first question, Sammy, some contacts at AMD I talked to last year saw RDNA 2 as a bigger innovation than RDNA 3 for this reason. They're like, on Mm -hmm. the same node, we managed to bring like 20% more performance per die space and then literally double performance with double the die space. Usually you don't efficiently scale that way. These like RDNA 3 is MCM, but it's mostly group brute forcing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? So you're not wrong. People at these companies feel more impressed when they can double performance within the same power. But moving on, he says, I saw someone online ecstatic that they scored a plain 3060 for $900. Needless to say, I don't have much confidence that the average gamer really cares what they get or how much power it uses. They just want to hit a certain FPS and then they find the Nvidia logo and pay it. Why do you think people should be concerned about power requirements and should reviewers make a larger point about efficiency? You know, the last time Steve from Hardware Unboxed Box was on, and a couple other guests I did this with too, I pushed the issue. I was like, do you think if it's kept quiet and doesn't break or overheat, there's a limit to power consumption. And Steve was like, not really. And I said, okay, he's like, as long as it stays quiet, I don't think there's an issue. And I'm I'm like, but like, there's a number, right? And he's like, well, yeah, like I guess 500 watts, but I don't think we'll see that. Well, we might though. <laughs> and I think you will see some reviewers bring that up.
1: Once once again, like I said earlier in the episode, I think there's, I, I, I think there's a hard line at some point where people are like, well, this won't work in my system anymore. So I, I care about it now. Because I, I agree, I don't think most people care that much if a card uses 300 watts versus 400 watts, as long as they're both more or less equally loud. Like, I, I don't think people will care that much. But once you're getting to a point where these you have these massive cards with massive power draws, it, becomes a po- it gets to a point where it's literally not feasible to put in your system, or you have to have some insane cooling to get it to work in it. Uh, most people's system that would probably be really loud or
0: something else, <laughs> yeah. And I think that we're gonna see to a certain, to a lesser extent, by AMD test this, but to a greater extent, NVIDIA test this, and we're gonna see. And I think, again, if you have a 4070 that uses 300 watts, I don't care, I might get it whatever mm-hmm. but I do think there is going to be a limit at a certain point and I think you even saw with the 3090 review some reviewers start touching on this is getting absurd I think there will be some reviewers that let it go and I think there will be some that bring it up and with rising energy costs again due to conflict in Europe I do believe this will be something people bring up a lot this is the worst time to have a graphics card use this much energy yeah All right, let us move on then to story number two. Intel confirms they'll ship more than 4 million Alchemist cards in 2022, and they want Celestial to take the GPU crown by 2025. Right up here, on February 17th, Intel held an investor meeting that, in many ways, can be compared to AMD's CES from early this year. They revealed a dozen things. In terms of GPUs, Alchemist is now officially confirmed to be following the release cadence Moore's Law's Dead had been leaking for months. It's really a quarter two product with token launches in quarter one. Point number two, still no specs or official pictures have been shown of Alchemist, suggesting it is indeed mid to late quarter two that the desktop release is happening, at least in the high end. And finally, Intel will ship over 4 million GPUs this year, which is seemingly a drop in the bucket compared to the 40 to 60 million GPUs AMD and NVIDIA Together ship every year. But it is worth mentioning that Intel is shipping this almost entirely to gamers and consumer laptop, little room for data center with their first generation, and that this will be shipping during maybe 66% or even half of the year, not the entire year. Guys, it's not out yet. It's not shipping 4 million cards in a year. It's shipping it in two thirds of a year at most. So note that, especially if Intel focuses mostly on shipments for the early summer, which I think they might because they don't want to go head-to-head that much with RDNA 3, this should make a brief difference in supply for gamers, but somewhat brief, and it's not going to change the world overnight. Finally, Intel also announced they want to take the crown by 2025 with Celestial that comes after Battle Mage, and Moore's Law is Dead would emphasize that this does not mean Battle Mage can't compete in the enthusiast segment. It's just unlikely to take the crown firmly for any amount of time, Considering it's launching next to RDNA four, which again, that's my takeaway. I think I conveyed that Battle Mage was supposed to launch late 2023 or early 2024. And so, when you see Intel say Celestial will take the crown, does that mean Battle Mage won't compete in the high end? No, I think that means it's probably launching in quarter one 2024, and it won't be out before RDNA four. That that's my reading of the, their statement.
1: I mean, yeah, which means the top end Battle Mage is, I'm sure, going to. Probably a 4090, but it will easily beat like a 3090, I I, I Mm -hmm. would bet. (laughs) Yeah. And probably beat a 4090 because at this point they're going to be competing with, assuming they keep going with these naming schemes because they have to change them every two years for no reason, Uh, the 5090 and what, the 7,000? No, 8,000
0: series. Mm. RDNA
1: 4, yeah. Yeah. So, moving, once again, all these companies are moving targets. Uh... I don't think Battle Mage competing against the fifty eighty or fifty seven yeah probably fifty eighty is a bad thing.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not sure how much more I have to say about that. I stand by everything I've communicated with Battle Mage. The quotes I'm given is they're going for the high end and they want to try to win and they're going to have way higher volume than this year. I already leaked that last year before these numbers were even confirmed by Intel. So I just take that to mean right now they're basically going for i would argue the mid range i would argue the 3070 is mid range and or maybe upper mid range for sure and they they want to get to at least around there if they can and then next year they want to compete firmly in the high end and celestials when they're like we we feel confident we might be able to take the crown i don't think they want to announce battlemage is going for the crown when they know it's way too far out to even be sure of anything yet too
1: well yeah and once again we still don't quite know what alchemist performance even looks like so it's hard to exactly it's hard to guess what the it, even begin guessing what battle major even more far out celestial will look like but you know three generations in three well maybe closer to four-ish years into the, uh intel being a player in the discrete gpu space that i think that's a really different world than what we have right now mm-hmm. and unless Alchemist launch is like a
0: complete disaster Right, which let me say this: I feel the need actually to to keep reminding people I'm leaking what their targets are. Like I have entire spec sheets, memos. Like I am sure they want to match the 3070 Ti at least when drivers mature, if they can. I'm sure. I'm not promising you they'll succeed. I know in some benchmarks they do. I know in others they still don't. So whenever people ask me things like, "Are you gonna? Will you double down? It'll beat the 3070, and the battle mage will beat Lovelace." No, Alchemist isn't out still. I'm not doubling down on anything, guys. I'm just telling you what they're trying to do. Intel could fail. We'll see.
1: Yeah, they they at least seem to be signaling that they're confident, so I think it will be fine. But, and when I say complete disaster, I mean, like, they're, the, the cards, like, don't work well <laughs> beyond, like, driver issues. Like, they're low reliability. They compete lower than they we thought they would. But I, I doubt that will happen after drivers are solved because, you know, if they're releasing a new type of product that they've never released before, I'm I'm not going to bet that they won't have uh, driver issues at launch.
0: Yeah, and I guess the last thing I would say about that, too, is kind of leading to the final part of this story I want to talk about. Like, there's a reason they're not launching Like if they were going to try to keep up with even how many AMD would ship in two thirds of a year, I mean, what would that be? Then you'd be looking at about 12 million cards. The reason or eh, six to 12 million. The reason they're shipping about half as many as AMD will ship in the same amount of time based on most estimates is this isn't the full push yet. You know, DG one was hoped to be a beta. It ended up being a pre alpha DG2, and I said I don't see beta, I don't mean that in terms of it won't work, or how, don't, you know, misunderstand, you know, some betas actually work better than some finished games, too. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I would say that they're not done perfecting the drivers. It takes a whole, I've you know, and that Battle Mage that like I covered out, it takes a whole Initiative in and of itself to get driver sta- a driver stack up to what these companies have been doing for decades, NVIDIA yeah. and AMD. So the big push is going to be with Battlemage first, and Alchemist is about having it nailed by the time. Battle Mages out, and it just takes a lot of time to compete in a segment that Juggernauts have been competing in with for decades, and that's why they're not planning to ship 4 million. Again, especially because it didn't launch in quarter one, especially because RDNA 3 and Lovelace will be out, so to expect it to outship them, no. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I will say that too. I do feel like there were a lot of people with the 4 million, over 4 million technically, I guess they said, cards shipped this year that were either like millions of cards, and I'm like, eh, Tens of millions are shipped a year, dude. That's not as many as you think. But also there are people like, this is a drop in the bucket. I think this is basically all going to be shipped during the summer. So it'll make a difference for a couple quarters. It will
1: probably alleviate demand then by maybe, or or they might be able to satisfy demand with like 15% or 20% more than what we have right now, given the market. So I don't think that can be a bad thing. I
0: don't know if that's going to bring prices down to MSRP. I doubt it. (laughs) It'll contribute, again, almost a myriad of other factors for and against prices coming down, going on right now. That's true.
1: I, I don't think it's like there's nothing being launched. Four million is more than a drop in the bucket.
0: Yeah. All right, we're going read our mail here. Hebo Tabiti writes in, just like you can if you support us on Patreon. He says, hey, Tom, and whoever it may concern. Well, concerns Dan. My name is Greg, and I am a first-time patron but long-time listener. Welcome. The GPU is becoming more advanced and diverse with more non-gaming features. How out of the realm of possibility is it, for example, for Intel to put, I don't know, Killer network adapters on their second gen GPUs. Just as a random thought that can apply to NVIDIA and that have multiple markets there are competing in, could this simplify buying decisions for laptop makers? They get the full package in one go or possibly reduce mobile prices? Or is this an unnecessary add on, take too long to transition? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, that would
1: probably just confuse things even more.
0: One, <laughs> well, you've got to think about packaging costs too. Motherboards are set up, the infrastructure is there to just integrate wi-fi into a motherboard with its own yeah. chip that can be made on a way older node you could use a wi-fi module on an older node and put it on a gpu but gpus are packed with stuff there's actually if you look there's a reason they're the size they are there's stuff in there it's not where you'd want to put it and then it's messing with the pcie bandwidth how much i don't know with gigabit internet actually maybe a lot <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that would be funny if uh that happened and. In- people like had to throttle
0: their internet <laughs> so it didn't
1: uh, screw with gaming performance
0: mm-hmm. right which you know and on that note just to make it clear that is a real thing there's a reason the ps4 i believe didn't let you download in the background while you were gaming mm-hmm. online or it's because well it use the cpu it would like knock down mm-hmm. cpu performance while you're downloading things and anyone who has gigabit internet like i do will know when you're downloading like I don't know. I I think I get like half a gigabyte a second or something when I'm downloading at half a gigabyte per second, especially on my six core laptop, 12 thread, it gets to a hundred percent usage sometimes. Yeah. You know, so, (laughs) and that's, you know, so, so yeah, I don't, a lot of things mess with, you know, CPU performance, bandwidth through PCIe and VME drives, like to make you share that with uh, more things than necessary would hurt a lot of types of performance yeah all right speaking about downloading gigabytes of data let's talk about any legal download that just happened to nvidia story number three nvidia hacked and i'm quoting here from the lost swede who was the tech consultant that was on broken silicon recently friend of the show he writes on tech power up according to several reports in various media outlets nvidia has been hacked And several key systems, such as email and its internal developer tools, have been down for the past few days. According to CRN, NVIDIA is investigating an, in quotes, incident. And the company issued the following statement to the publication. Our business and commercial activities continue uninterrupted. We are still working to evaluate the nature and scope of the event and don't have any additional information to share at this time. In a regulatory filing back in October of 2021, NVIDIA seemingly warned its shareholders of a future attack on the company of some kind by the way, via claim that it's hard to protect against attacks as the attacks are getting more prevalent and sophisticated, they said in quotes. The filing went on to say our efforts to prevent and overcome these and similar challenges could increase our expenses and may not be successful. We may experience interruptions, delays, cessation of service and loss of existing or potential customers. Further details about NVIDIA's retaliation on the hackers has popped up and it would appear that NVIDIA did manage to access and encrypt the data through its own VPN. This seems to have been possible due to the effect that it was a VM image of an NVIDIA system that was being used. In other words, NVIDIA didn't hack the hackers, but rather accessed a VM image of their own systems and encrypted the data on the VM. However, unfortunately for NVIDIA, the LAPS US dollar sign hacking group at least claims to have backups of the VM image and data that is unencrypted. All right, this happened over the weekend before we started recording.
1: You know, I think it's hard to say exactly how substantial the hack was or how substantial it is for us right now like didn't did it happen on friday
0: i think it happened friday or saturday i don't remember i was at work so i remember it was
1: i remember it was during the week but yeah i think it was friday so there's not much that much that can be said about the how substantial the hack is yet that they say they have a terabyte of data or nvidia was able to encrypt another terabyte a terabyte of data maybe they got more but as it stands right now it doesn't look like there's much that can be said, and I, I think a lot of the reporting has just, in my opinion, is kind of due to the assumption at first that this might have been related to the Russia-Ukraine conflict, because...
0: Which sounded ridiculous to me, but you sent me a link where... What, what, what website was shoehorning this connection in? VentureBeat. Okay.
1: And all of the initial coverage, of course, mentioned Russia and Ukraine, which I don't think is necessarily shocking that they would are even bad because, I mean, I remember during when this started in early February, the talks that this it might happen. Sure. I'm not saying it can't hearing, happen, you know. Yeah, we were constantly hearing that U.S. businesses might be targeted for hacks, and that makes sense to me. But <laughs> I think that this is getting a lot of coverage because people initially assumed that it might be related to Russia, and it turns out that it's just a bunch of ransomware people. From South America. Yeah. And I think there's an, the necessary caveat that uh, while looking into this, I believe hot, a hot hardware article brought up that they could have this could be some attempt for them to inject code into uh, like NVIDIA software for their drivers to, you know. Push malware onto people with, through NVIDIA's drivers, or
0: find a way to do it and then host yeah. bogus versions of NVIDIA's drivers because yeah. they've reverse engineered them in the future.
1: Yes, so yeah. I think that I, I don't think it would be. Uh, I think it would be prudent for people that own NVIDIA graphics cards to probably refrain from downloading drivers for the time being until that investigation. But I I, th- I, I think that's more out of an abundance of caution than like necessary. Me saying, I think that definitely happened.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about that too. And to be very careful at very least in the future that you only download NVIDIA drivers from NVIDIA's website (laughs) instead of going to those mirror sites there. I've almost always wondered why they even exist. Just go to NVIDIA or AMD's website. Why do you go to tech power up to download your drivers? Yeah, I agree. (laughs) But yeah, I, outside of that, I'm not sure what else there is to say. Like, um, you know, it's funny. I'm actually reading a book called A Hacked World Order that goes into the modern world of hacking between companies and uh, governments. And one thing, the chapter I'm on right now is literally talking about how corporations are not, maybe not necessarily, it's on the gray zone of if it's illegal, but counter hacking a lot of hackers themselves on their own without asking permission. So that's interesting to see. NVIDIA argued they did that, although it's debatable if they did. That may have just been to make themselves sound competent well. after getting hacked.
1: Um, some reporter, uh, apparently was in the, uh, what's it called? The lapsus, whatever, uh, hacking groups, telegram channel. Mm. And there, <laughs> uh, there were some very funny messages on that telegram channel, like calling Nvidia criminals for hacking them. So I think, oh yeah, I don't know if this is just them trolling or doing some weird form of trolling or if they're legitimately like angry and peeved about getting counter hacked
0: right and i did see a couple websites reporting how they were just like we're doing this because nvidia has wronged us it's it's a very weird situation i think i think at this point all we can say is we don't know the full story entirely because it just broke and we may never entirely know what they did because i i reached out to lars nelson the previous guest who wrote that article uh, summarizing what happened, I asked him, how bad do you think it could get? And he's like, honestly, we don't know now, and we may never know. He's like, you know, their emails are still down, their email servers are still down, so they're clearly worried, because you'd want to get that up and running right away so people can communicate and work. But yeah. otherwise, it's like, you know, is it the Intel hack where entire designs of Xeon's leak? I don't know.
1: Is, is it, it they just, which I think that the, that is the majority of the effects is they're just taking their systems down to isolate the hack but while they investigate it so yeah there's a good chance that you might not know ever notice anything from this hack unless you are or get confirmed what it did yeah unless you're an nvidia employee where it was annoying to deal with for a couple weeks
0: yeah or is it going to be a hack like the gigabyte one where they leaked entire amd products that were coming out ahead of time we don't know yet, and we may never know because it's in NVIDIA's best interest to not tell you what was hacked because that would help hackers. Yes. <laughs> so that's about all we can say about it, but it definitely makes the news for this week. Um, let us then move on to story number four. AMD Rembrandt launches in laptops. And uh, here's the right up here. And then we'll get to you, Dan, but this is how I would summarize the Rembrandt results. Rembrandt is only, as expected for just being a plus over Zen 3, saying it's Zen 3 Plus, only about 10% better in core performance versus Saison. As for the iGPU performance, Hardware Box found that Rembrandt is almost always, but not always, it lost in some games, beats the 12700H in integrated graphics performance by about 50%, or sometimes even double, and 80% the performance and is usually 80% the performance of a 1650 Max-Q, but usually half the performance of a laptop 3050. However, the usefulness of this integrated performance is up for debate. When AMD is bundling dedicated GPUs with most of the top 12 CU Rembrandt chips, 90% of the time, should there be a budget 6800U or 6800H set of thin laptops with no GPU in them, then this integrated performance will matter. But that remains to be seen if it will develop. As at least as of now, AMD is marketing Rembrandt in very premium-looking products so far, and the cut-down models of Rembrandt only have six compute units, which will probably just trade blows with Alder Lake's integrated graphics. However, we do have to point out how good the efficiency and battery life are. In fact, at 35 watts and lower, AMD's a core actually often outperforms the 6 plus 8 Alder Lake. So this is definitely a chip you want over Alder Lake in any laptop that limits the CPU to 35 watts or less. And again, I'm just pointing that out. This is 8-core, 16 threads versus a 14-core Alder Lake CPU at 35 watts, a very popular, you know, uh, TDP for a CDP that they win. That's crazy. Thus, overall, Rembrandt is good enough to likely hold market share at its current level in laptop. It has a niche where it beats Alder Lake, and it's a really important niche that's increasing in popularity. But there is no way around it. Intel is directly competitive at all levels of laptop again and debatably holds the overall mobile crown. Again and the other thing i would point out is there's a twitter uh from nine nine thousand five fifty pro that points out that rembrandt crushes the mx 450 so likely beats the 550 and Mm -hmm. therefore based on other leaks i've seen recently for the mx 570 probably only loses by like 20 percent. and again i think this is worth pointing out the mx 570 has a gpu die bigger than all of rembrandt or closely like so so that that is great like that really just, in my opinion make the entire mx lineup pointless um but i don't know like i what did you think rembrandt's out there's been tons of reviews what do you think of amd's new apu or should i say new main apu
1: um i mean i guess my like top line takeaway is that they're it, it's good but it's not that exciting you know it's Mostly mm-hmm. from my perspective, an increase in efficiency, not really necessarily that big of an increase in performance versus uh, CPU performance versus their previous gens. Obviously, there's an increase overall, but...
0: Which, because it's efficiency like, and it's on a laptop, though, I guess there are situations where it's like 20% better or 30% yeah. even sometimes same power usage compared to Zon, which is impressive.
1: All they're Lake, f- for the time being, is what's going to go into like really high-end or like desktop replacement type laptops. Um and this is going to go is competitive in you know lower power or mid power usage laptops, which I think is most of the market anyways. So I think the six like the 6900HS is a pretty great APU to have in a system for most people. Now, depending on what the system is, the 12700 or which is what it's being compared to, which makes sense, is probably slightly better. I think it's a bit better multi-thread performance than the 6900 and a bit better single thread, but, you know, it uses a bit more power and at lower power levels, the 6900HS is a lot more efficient. Mm -hmm.
0: Pulls ahead in performance even despite having, I mean, what is it? Yes, yes. Despite having like two thirds the threads and almost half the cores.
1: And those are being put in laptops that I think uh, hardware and box tested was getting like 11 hours of battery life, which is crazy the the fact that i think you have at this point what is a mid range graph uh yeah i mean a mid range lap- a uh, desktop performing uh laptop that can last for eleven hours is awesome
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i mean it's not gonna last that long in gaming i guess but i think that's awesome that you can have a laptop that's pretty portable uh and has that long of a battery life with a dedicated g p u and a great c se- uh 16-thread CPU is awesome. And then to reinforce your point on the integrated graphics, that's the unfortunate thing is that this has 12 compute units, which is very, very entry-level, but it's good enough to Mm -hmm. play games at 1080p, low low to medium settings. Mm -hmm. And that's just not being utilized in everything, despite the fact that CES advertised (laughs) that as a big facet. Uh, of Rembrandt, which you pointed out at uh, when we recorded that episode following CES that it's not going to go into anything. So is the 12 compute units even that interesting?
0: Which I mm-hmm. guess it's not. <laughs> I, I just wish they would have had it just have like eight compute units or six and then make it smaller. So it uses yeah. even less energy and then make a version of it with six cores and 16 compute units and 16 megabytes of infinity it, cache. That would have been awesome.
1: Or, or just a six or just like a 1660 hs that has 12 compute units or something i i, I or if that's mm-hmm. what the 60 if the yields HS allowed was. i don't know yeah because if that would have been released from my perspective you have a you have an integrated gpu that can play most games and you can make a thin and like a, a thin and like that's can play pretty much any game made within the past few years aside from like the most demanding games that come out um but you know, those twelve compute units are just kind uh, just not going to be utilized. Um I I, I it would be nice to see the fifty nine hundred HS go into a thin and light with no dedicated sixty nine hundred HS. Oh, did I say fifty nine hundred? How dare you. Yeah. it would be nice to see the 6900HS go into like a thin and light with no dedicated GPU because I think that would be a really good uh, laptop.
0: Right I think where it would be at its best you remember the NV13T I had that was a really cool portable like gaming netbook it you know that eventually just you know got old but it had an MX250 and a quad core i7 that's like four years ago at the time that was crazy you know because if I undervolted it i could get it to perform pretty close to a gt1030 well you know or or like 750 ti plus a quad core i7 like well it really performed more like an i5 but you know doing that in something that is i mean lighter than a steam deck and goes like (laughs) that was crazy i think Rembrandt would be at its best if you, and think about what that means, right? I believe there was a 15 watt CPU that could burst up to 25 watts, but would throttle down to 10. And then you had a 10 watt graphics card. So so total you're talking about like 20, 45 watts of power usage. So great, now you don't need a GPU, put Rembrandt in there, limit it to 35 to 45 watts. And then that extra space that would have had the cooling like heat sink connected to it. And then the soldered on MX250, put more battery in there. Or put an extra slot for an, another M. dot two drive, like, mm-hmm. and then save money, like that type of like an NV thirteen. That because you have a, a GTX sixteen fifty system, and not a Max Q and a decent one, but this would probably be like sixty percent, seventy percent the performance of what you have, and yet no GPU. Imagine if it was just completely silent, then Dan, and you could have a battery that's fifty percent bigger. Like you would make that trade off.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: I just don't see anyone <laughs> doing that right now. And I just see it in $1,400 laptops, eh. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. It's good for laptops. I think you and me would both agree laptops are in a pretty good spot right now for the most part. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. And th- this just makes that a slightly better position. It's not like they have some new flagship that
0: truly competes with uh, top Alder-like mobile. Mm-hmm. and i guess what i would say then is rembrandt impresses me i, I just I, I would say it even impresses me more than alder lake mobile just because i kind of expected more out of 14 cores in a laptop apu which <laughs> yeah that's true alder lake if you push it is like desktop class performance in a laptop don't get me wrong and in a way that's not embarrassing like the ridiculous you know whiskey like not whiskey like a comet like uh eight core that used way too much energy it like feels (laughs) like for the amount of energy it's using it's justified the performance you get but i am just more impressed by rembrandt staying at 35 watts and bringing that much more performance in there i am i am more impressed by it the battery life is is impressive it's just it's not it's it's Talking to my OEM sources, it's good enough to keep the niches they're already doing well in, but it's not enough for them to probably take much more market share from laptop outside of what they would have already probably done for Momentum.
1: Yeah, because I think that's, I mean, what these are mostly for, I feel like, is like these Zephyrus G14 type things, Mm -hmm. which those are very popular. I see them all the time on campus.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Beefish36 writes in. He says your most recent video raised a question from your conversation with Tim from Hardware Unboxed. AMD has been doing the one size fits all APU designs for a while now, but for next gen, there have been leaks of both Phoenix and Raphael H for laptop. Given that this generation will have to compete with Meteor Lake, and they'll probably have the die space with to move with to add more and move when they move to five nanometer. Do you think Phoenix is finally the time we get an increase in CUs and Infinity Cache on die? It would make sense given. That seems to be where Intel is going. If not with Meteor Lake, then definitely with Arrow Lake. Um, I haven't even really looked. I think I think Raphael H though is like more about increasing core counts to Mm sixteen in an APU. So I don't think that's the APU one. I don't know. I am trying to remember what the rumors were for Raphael APU. Or what is it? Or Phoenix, I should say. I I, I haven't looked into this. Let me see if I can. Yeah, I don't see uh, anyone confident the CU count yet there either. So I don't know. You know, um, all I can say is I get the feeling Phoenix isn't quite that. I think that the idea isn't that Phoenix would be this gaming APU. It will be better gaming than Rembrandt. It's Mm -hmm. just I think the feeling is they would make one in addition to it that makes sense to have a one-size-fits-all for most uses apu the problem i have is that they're not trying other things yet and that van gogh should have been out sooner in the low end that would have been awesome as a one-size-fits-all low-end thin and light apu that can do some gaming but it took too long to come out it's only really in the steam deck i've heard it'll come to other things but yeah i don't know and and again i i don't know dan What what do you think about what he says I mean, I'm just trying to look at, there just doesn't seem to be very much about
1: Phoenix yet, so it's hard to really say anything. (laughs) And
0: I should probably ask about it, but I I haven't done that yet because it's, I'm worried about Rafter Lake and Zen 4 and uh, a bunch of other things right now, but we'll say this, Raphael H is more about the core counts and it's more probably about competing with what I'm going to talk about in story number five i9 12980 HK 8 plus 8 at 65 watts is coming to mobile. Reconfirmed. I have the write up here. The alder lake HX BGA 8 plus 8 SKU at Moore's laws Dead, first leaked almost a year ago, has emerged as being called the i9 12980 HK, according to a couple of Twitter leakers, kamachi and 9550 Pro. Though this info isn't strictly new, Outside of the say, the name, someone could have guessed, we do feel it's worth making this a story to discuss the fact that in quarter two, Intel is launching the equivalent of what they did with eight core Tiger Lake following up on the lower core count version of Tiger Lake. 32 execution units instead of 96 execution units in the other motor, Alder Lake chips already out and higher core counts. Now literally bringing 16 cores competing with the strongest chips on the desktop market. Mobile shoppers should expect this chip to be placed in the 65 to a 125 watt CPU range for gaming laptops, able to be TDP downed just enough to fit in some 15-inch designs, but ultimately meant for desktop replacement class laptops. One should expect this to bring above 5900X and nearly i7-12700K performance to laptops.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't think there's too much to be said about this. I mean, I think Intel clearly has the Performance crown quote unquote when it comes to mobile right now. This just further solidifies it and makes desktop replacements a real, real option.
0: <laughs> yeah. And in a way that's not embarrassing because I am very curious how this will perform in the 65 watt range because I've seen some tests. This is basically mm-hmm. taking the desktop die and putting it on a BGA package and modifying a couple things with the PCH and stuff to make it work well on a laptop. Like, I wonder I have seen things where they're like, Yes, Alder Lake can use over two hundred watts to beat the five nine fifty x. But I've seen people say they've tested it down to one twenty five watts and it still basically ties the five nine fifty x. And then if you mm-hmm. put it down to sixty five watts, it still just kind of almost keeps pace with Zen three efficiency, not quite but close. I wonder if at sixty five watts, it keeps, you know, depending on the use case like 75% of the performance of the top desktop chip without being stupidly hot.
1: Yeah, and if it does that, I, yeah, you
0: basically have a
1: 5900 X in your in your system I guess, right?
0: Yeah. And going back to what Bfish asked about Raphael H, which I believe is the 16-core higher core count a, uh, version of an APU or just again probably just translating a chiplet design to a BGA Thing kind of what Intel is doing as well for laptop. It's to compete with this. You know, we know Raphael is supposed to have, I believe it was four compute units. I've heard recently at like one gigahertz ish. You know, so that's like probably two thirds the performance of a Steam Deck or something. Maybe half mm-hmm. the performance of a Steam Deck. You know, that's enough where if they have that in the Raphael on desktop, they can BGA that and have that be an APU for laptop. But again, it's meant to have a gpu with it they haven't done this yet because they didn't need to i mean they're competing with either six or quad cores from intel to get destroyed by saison and renoir or if intel does manage to compete with their top eight core it's literally using triple the power but now intel's launching and already has 14 cores and is soon launching a 16 core to desktop i mean to laptop amd is going to need to respond and that's what Raphael h is now does that mean they'll maybe give more preference to the gpu in phoenix maybe but i'm not sure mm-hmm. it'll be more than like 16 compute units and i doubt and uh, i still yeah, doubt I, infinity I, cache too kind of
1: i i would be surprised if it went above 16 with that that would be next year right yeah mm-hmm. or yeah I, I would be surprised if it went above 16 compute units i mean it would be
0: exciting if it did but yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it could, I've heard it could be up to 24 at that point though. You've got to wonder it's using DDR five. Do you give it infinity cash? Infinity cash takes up a lot of space. I would argue mm. the perfect balance if they can fit it is 24 megabytes of infinity cash and 24 compute units. Cause that would put it above that, that would, yeah, that would put it pretty firmly at about RTX 3050 desktop performance, 2060 performance. And if you could get that in an APU that uses 35, 45 watts, you've accomplished something, man. You really have cut out the low-end GPU market in laptop. Whatever MX or, is coming from NVIDIA isn't doing nothing to that.
1: Or maybe you could just pointlessly pair that with dedicated GPUs again. <laughs> exactly.
0: So I <laughs> guess, I, yeah, I guess we will see what they do. Um, but yeah, I, I would just think if they can do that, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you know what though? Maybe they will do that with Raphael. I just wonder if Raphael will have the Infinity Cache because I kind of doubt it. But it it could. There may be the space there. It's just Cache doesn't shrink as much. So if you put twenty four megabytes of Infinity Cache, you're, that's like sixteen millimeters. You know, you're you're using about ten twenty percent of the die space possibly for Infinity Cache, and mm-hmm. that's dubious on an APU, especially with that many compute units where some of them will be disabled for half of the lineup. Yeah. Today's video is brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com. As I put together a new benchmarking station for 2022, I know that whether it's running Windows 10 or Windows 11, I'll be getting that key from CDKeyOffer.com. And that's because it's a reliable, long-term sponsor of "Morris Law is Dead that gets you reasonable prices on legitimate keys for these types of products, but it's really not all that they offer. They also can give you keys for Microsoft Office, uh, keys for PlayStation codes, and even some of the latest PC releases like Elden Ring, a game that I enjoying quite a bit. Whatever you need, CD Key Offer probably has you covered, and they're always running sales, but make sure you use the best code possible, and that's the ones provided for the Moore's Law is Dead fans. Moore's Law is Dead fans get the biggest discount, and if you go to the the link on screen or in the description, you can use code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Microsoft products and Dye shrink to get 3% off everything else on the website. Using these codes really does help Moore's Law is Dead, and it helps you pay reasonable prices for games that you want in keys that, frankly, you just have to use half of the time. So, again, use the link in the description, use BROKENSILICON, use Dye shrink depending on the products you're getting, and pay reasonable prices for keys today at CDKeyOffer.com. Com. Let us move on then to the final story. Story number six Intel shows off 24 core Raptor Lake, and Moore's Law is dead, confirms it's launching in quarter three. Here's the write up Intel demoed their Raptor Lake flagship for the first time at their previously mentioned in this episode investor meeting a couple of weeks ago. Overall, there's not much to say that hasn't already been leaked by yours truly. The flagship i9 it will contain 24 cores eight big 16 little eight big raptor raptor cove 16 of the same gracemont that's an alder lake the i9 13900 k will slot into existing lga 1700 motherboards and support ddr4 again as Moore's Law said leaked last year they demonstrated big upgrades to the thread director hoping to have it perfected by raptor lake's launch and that's all there's to say about that but that's not all One leak later, we confirmed that this is launching in quarter three for desktop. Mobile Raptor Lake launches in quarter four. And overall, you know, we expect 8 to 15% higher single-threaded performance for Raptor Lake and 30 to 40% higher multi-threading performance over Alder Lake. Furthermore, Meteor Lake is expected at least in mobile by mid-2023, and it will have desktop releases as of now. A lot of people are doubting that. Meteor Lake is also expected to at least be as big of an uplift as... Raptor Lake and indeed at this point the real question then is can AMD launch Zen 4 in a reasonable in reasonable numbers before quarter four this year because is dead at least expects it to come close or beat Raptor Lake at lower power consumption but if it launches after Raptor Lake and competes heavily with Meteor Lake could look pretty bad All right. so yeah this is kind of the second half of some (laughs) of the stuff Intel confirmed a couple weeks ago it's not all of it but this is most of it like I don't know what do you think about Raptor Lake what do you think about what they've shown I didn't I guess it is kind of on schedule to show Raptor Lake, but maybe a little earlier than expected.
1: I think, I mean, if it's coming on quarter three, I think it's, it feels like that's like a couple of months before I would expect it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, the big thing I have to say is I think uh, the success of Raptor Lake over uh, Alder Lake at least is really contingent upon if the thread director works well, because it seems like as it stands right now, at least for gaming, the performance cores still don't do that much for gaming, if anything, really. So if it's eight cores, if it still has eight big cores on it, then I think a, a big a big factor in any increase in gaming performance is just going to be higher clocks or higher IPC.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and again, I think, Let's be clear about what we're talking about. Like hardware unbox tested big plus little cores in different configurations, pretty mm-hmm. exhaustively in a couple of recent videos. And I wasn't sure what I would think before I watched the video, but he fairly confidently and confidently, um, convinced me that you know games could use ten or twelve big cores actually. And mm-hmm. so if Intel brings, like, let's say it's even, let's say it's top end. Let's say they bring a 15% single-threaded increase to Raptor Lake over Alder Lake. Well, Zen 4 is expected, by, at least by me, to bring minimum 20% single-threaded increase. And I think, actually, I think it's probably minimum 30% if you combine clock speeds and IPC. So, at the end of the day, I think Zen 4 is going to have the same single-threaded. And if you're doing a game, 16 big cores, 12 big cores might be better than 8 plus 16. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, though, when people, you know, so if it's, like, 40% better single-threaded for, let's say, Zen 4, that also means it's probably 40% better (laughs) multi-threaded, you know? (laughs) And so with that in mind, these just sound fairly well-matched with possibly actually Zen 4 being the gaming chip that's more efficient and Raptor Mm Lake being the hyper-tasking multi-threaded chip, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And... I do have to say though, um, like when Alder Lake was when Alder Lake came out, we were talking about how it was impressive. But you know, you have to keep in mind they're basically finally beating AMD a year after AMD releases. Mm -hmm. uh, After AMD released their last thing, Zen Four needs to be impressive, or or else uh, Alder Lake, I mean, or else Intel is just going to start stepping on them again. Mm
0: -hmm. And I have I have sources, not at Intel, people who work with Intel, like at OEMs, that. Aren't the impression Meteor Lake could bury AMD, which let's keep in mind what this means. To me, it sounds like Zen 4 and Raptor Lake will be close. I believe Meteor Lake will bring 10, 20% higher single-threaded again and the same amount multi-threaded and then accelerators. That's enough to bury Zen 4 if they don't have something else out. Especially if uh, Intel can manage to keep this, like, what is that like
1: an eight month release cadence mm-hmm. maybe 10 going? month or something yeah yeah, eight, yeah 10 month. yeah let's just go with 10 months if they can keep releasing stuff in that fast of a time frame and get performance uplifts that big over and over again yeah <laughs> amd is going to have some catching up to do in, by 2023
0: mm-hmm. now the one thing i will say is that i expect is zen 5 about a year after zen 4 maybe even a little less So with that in mind, and I expect it to be a bigger increase than Meteor Lake over Raptor Lake. So with Mm -hmm. that in mind, it's, guys, one thing that's completely consistent, everyone at AMD, Intel, and people who work with them say they're just going to swap crowns over the next year. And I I know we're we're probably going to keep getting questions. Should I wait for Zen 4? Should I wait for Raptor Lake? Should I wait for Meteor Lake? Should I wait for Zen 5? I think the strongest one's probably going to be whatever just came out for the next year. And there's going to be four releases in about 18 months.
1: Yeah, that's a big flurry of releases, but, (laughs) and it just makes buying stuff more, a little bit more confusing. But the fact that you actually need to think about waiting, I think is good as opposed to what there was before in Alder Lake, which was, I mean, buy Zen, if you're going to get something new or before Zen, don't upgrade because you're fine with the, (laughs) you're fine with your 2,500K.
0: Let me see. Actually, you brought up uh, Sandy Bridge. So I'm going to skip ahead and read this one before I get to the next ones. Tedesuki writes in and he says, hey, Tom, I'm new here. When, in your opinion, will my overclocked i7-2600K, so for those who maybe weren't into PC gaming before this was out, that is a Sandy Bridge from, what, 2010, I think? 10 or 11, four-core, eight-thread. You can overclock it usually close to 5 gigahertz. And he says it is overclocked. He says, when do you think this will stop running games in a playable state, which I consider 30 frames per second? I used to change CPUs because new games would not run well, but my CPU still runs the majority of games at 60 FPS or more. Even though it's 11 years old, I would like to change it. I mean, if if your definition of playable is 30 frames per second minimums, I think your CPU, which is about half as powerful as what's in the consoles, maybe a little weaker. It's gonna be fine for a while longer, but I do think there will be some games starting late this year that will just randomly have horrible performance, and I'm sure there are some already that might. Uh, uh, eventually, games will just use asset streaming and will require CPUs stronger than the consoles to be above what the consoles typically do—60 hertz. And one thing I will say is, honestly, your PCIe 2.0 may be the issue now. Again, I'm gonna test the 6500 XT, the 3050, but I will do so I do plan to do some. testing but I'm not going to do this thing other websites have done where for some reason they just test the 6500 XT in 2.0 put it on the same chart as everything else I'm going to test the 3050 which has only 8 PCIe lanes in 2.0 and some other recent cards and I'm kind of curious how limited some of these cards are in recent games at 2.0 I I would worry if I were you about the PCIe bandwidth at this point
1: yeah I mean unless you're just not upgrading your graphics card either but I have a feeling if you just—I don't know—a feeling if you switch to a 5800 or something for a CPU, you would be getting a lot higher performance no matter what you have.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And again, we say it—you know—it depends what games you play. If you're the games you play, you have a 60 hertz monitor and they have no problem running at 60 hertz and a smoothness you're fine with. I guess don't upgrade yet because there's always something better coming. But now isn't a bad time for CPUs, especially if you use the offer in the last live stream from Micro Center. All right. (laughs) moving on Bfish36 writes in again he says I have a question regarding Intel given the data we've known from seen, and seen from benchmarking the laptop side of Alder Lake when the desktop cards launched and we saw how power hungry they were everyone assumed oh the efficiency cores will work better on laptop it appears they're not actually driving efficiency but merely propping up certain multi-core benchmarks well that's kind of the same thing though but with the understanding that Raptor Lake is basically just giving more e-cores why is Intel doubling down in an area that most people don't use while ignoring actual power efficiency also but with so much weight being given to certain benchmarks, do you see companies adding accelerators to artificially boost performance in apps targeted mostly at content creators? Yes, Meteor-like. Um, I'll answer that one first. <laughs> um, but what I would say to the rest of your question is, it's not just about efficiency, though. And I, I keep saying this. It's not just about efficiency. In fact, the biggest point I brought up over and over, didn't I, Dan, like months before of that came out is it's not about the efficiency. It's about getting more multi-core performance out of the same die space. Little cores take up less space for multi-core performance. Yeah. And Intel's using, frankly, an aging, bloated core architecture that they keep building more cache and tweaks to that takes up a ton of space. I don't remember what it was at the top of my head, but we've covered this before. I mean, I think, wasn't it like Alder Lake takes up... I think an Alder Lake core takes up double a Zen 3 core in die space. Mm-hmm. That's why they're using little cores.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't... These aren't meant... To- Tar- to be only targeted towards gamers these are being sold to uh a wide variety of people where a lot of uh threads is more important than what you get with gaming where you might just be better off if you had what would it be would it be 10 big cpu cores or 12 mm-hmm. cpu cores
0: if you're just a gamer that's probably ideally what you'd want yeah right yeah yeah so i i would just say another thing is I mean, and I I keep having to say this too. Guys, this is the plan. Well, I never promised it'll work out in the long run. I never promised AMD won't end up winning again. But this is the game plan. This is Intel's game plan. I think well, a video I did last year where I'm like, no, seriously, little cores are the game plan. like. And I, I think it was around Raptor, the Raptor Lake leak. Like, no, guys, really, this is the plan. And that was when I knew about Sierra Forest, which I unfortunately didn't leak the details of. I guess I still could say the details. They haven't confirmed the specs of before Intel confirmed Sierra Forest, which is an all-little core, or mostly all-little core. There's more to it than that, Uh, de- uh server architecture. It's like whether it works out or not, man, Alder Lake's not perfected. They want to perfect the drivers and then they're doubling the little cores with Raptor Lake. They didn't give Alder Lake 16 little cores and like six big cores because they knew there were going to be growing pains. But they expect Mm -hmm. the growing pains to be over by Raptor Lake. And again, it's the game plan, man. So if it's not perfect now, they want it to be by the time Raptor Lake's out. And this is what they've been planning to do for years and they will make it work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. QH Freddy writes in, DDR5 prices have come down substantially in only the last few months. However, considering the starting capacity is 16 gigabyte sticks, do you think DDR4 will still exist as a budget option? Yes. Yes. Where does this leave a possible DDR5 only AM5? Will Intel be the go to for budget builds? Also, when would you see two times 16 gigabyte setups being the same at the same spot two times eight gigabytes is now as the standard for a gaming build? And I know eight gigabyte DDR5 sticks exist, but at least in the testing I've seen, they seem to have per, pretty severe performance penalties compared to 16 gigabyte sticks for whatever reason. Yeah, I can't comment <laughs> on that last part, but. I think two times eight gigabytes is fine for this entire console generation. When will 32 gigabytes be standard, though? Because remember, 16 gigabytes was overkill last gen, arguably. I mean, if all you did was game, I don't, I mean, I think it's going to be standard in about a year. 32 gigs is going to be standard. I, 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 yeah, I was going to say, I think it's just
1: what a lot of the time it's not even necessarily what's the most ideal setup or the quote-unquote perfectly balanced setup for what you have right now people typically keep their motherboards for a while and going a little overkill with 32 gigabytes especially if ram prices are okay is just what most people will do
0: (laughs) yeah but i do think again you still have to remember like what horizon forbidden west just came out so did halo infinite those Games were designed on last gen first and then also launched on next gen. These are engines that aren't, Mm -hmm. we're not, we're still not there. You know, Elden Ring, which we're playing, it's also on PS4 and Xbox One. And apparently it runs okay at 30 frames, if that's what you want. But it's like, we're still not at these engines yet where asset streaming is crazy standard. The only game arguably that does that is Ratchet & Clank. And I do think there's a legitimate argument that it's only a half step into it. You know, you can still see where it's not crazy taking advantage of it the way I bet it could if they had years to perfect an engine around it. So I, I, I don't know. I think, though, that will happen, though, within two years. And once that happens, PCs will compensate by having higher RAM requirements and requiring an NVMe SSD. And that, that's how you'll compete with the consoles and their asset streaming, especially the PS5. And
1: having, and having a bunch of cores, probably,
0: too. And having a bunch of cores <laughs> to are already the stream. kind of. Yeah so I, I don't know i i think 32 gigabytes will be what eight gigabytes was in two years but it's going to depend on the game yeah i don't know i'd say in, in about two years yeah but right now it's already beneficial in a lot of games they and some games depending on the gpu especially it, it, by the way if you have a gpu with less than eight gigabytes of ram because they need a buffer more on the ddr
1: yeah and if i were buying a DDR5 system
0: right now. I pro- I think I, will I would probably sure. get
1: 32.
0: I mean, yeah. I'd probably go for 64, but I'm a creator. If I was a gamer, I'd go for 32. You go for 256. You go for 256. I'm not a little <laughs> bitch. All right. Stino764 <laughs> writes in. It says, Hi Tom. Do you know if the rumors that Aerolate could have a 384 execution unit tile are true? Also, what kind of TDP do you think the kind of an APU would have if it is to replace low-end graphics cards? Well that's twenty twenty four. I'm busy covering Meteor Lake and Raptor Lake right now. Um, I had the code name for Arrow Lake <laughs> I don't know. Early twenty twenty one or something, Dan I, I mentioned. It. I just didn't know much about it until uh a door actually I started leaking stuff. You know, I I don't uh a three eighty four execution unit tile are true. I haven't looked into it much but i think it could be and i think it's probably a battle mage tile if that's what it is and battle mage will be two to four of those tiles that's what i think clip yeah. it set it here first <laughs> <laughs> now i'm not confirming that but when i see a tile with that many execution units and it's a tile i my conclusion is battle mage man <laughs> and i think that just it's starting to leak that it uses the battle mage architecture so what do you think that uh-huh. means guys um I I don't know why you would use a tile that's that big unless it was shared with desktop, I guess is what I'm saying. All right, let's move on then to the wrap-up here. All right, let us see the first couple things here. I don't know, two things. Number one, Elden Ring performance. We've been playing it on PS5. I would say that that's the version a lot of benchmarking sites have found is kind of the best optimized which is to say it's generally running at at about 55 frames a second, I think, and it generally Mm -hmm. stays above 50, but there's definitely a couple times where you can see it drops slightly below 50. Seems like from what I've looked up, the Series X version generally runs closer to 35 to 45, with often at 50 frames a second. I've heard the Series S version actually runs fine because they just put it in 1440p. They should probably consider... I know they have a dynamic resolution going on that targets 4K for the Series X and PS5. They should Mm -hmm. probably target like some kind of artificial 1900P for the PS5 and 1800P for the Series X to level it out. Um, Outside of that, though, I don't have much else to say. I actually think the graphics are underrated. Um, Yeah, it looks really nice. I I think so. Do I think it looks as nice as it should for the... I don't know, not really, because Demon's Souls, I think, looks a bit better, and it's locked 60. Yeah. Even if it doesn't maybe entirely look as 4K-ish, there's still no Jaggies. Whatever they've done with their resolution scaling from a 1440p base looks excellent. So, I again, I think it could have been handled better. But, yeah, I don't know. When it comes to the PC performance, which I did have some people ask me about this, even though I'm not going to read a reader mail touching on it, I think on the surface its performance looks acceptable-ish. I mean, what, the sixty-five, the 580 gets 44 frames in 1080p at maximum settings. The 6500 XT gets 53 frames. The 3050 gets 58 frames. The what 6600 XT, oh, that's right, but the limit's 60. And then if you want 60 frames in 1080p, generally speaking, a 6600 XT does it. 1440p, a 3070 seems to do it easily, or even weaker than that, actually. Like I, It seems like the overall average performance on PC, it's annoying that it's locked to 60, is fine. It just seems like I've heard those horrible frame dips to 15 frames if you don't have a beast PC. But I've heard mixed mm. input on that, Dan. I've seen some people say that if they have a good system, actually, it doesn't dip as far if you just control the resolution.
1: Huh, I mean, I don't know. That type of dipping would be
0: annoying well they they said if you don't have a beast cpu system there can be times where it dips to 20 frames or something randomly but it's not random when would that happen probably when a giant hammer is coming down from a boss and you're trying to dodge and it messes with it yeah which that's the perfect time for that to happen although i will say this guys just so you know the way the physics still seem to work in these games is it's tied to frame rate that's why there's a 60 fps cap on this so technically when you roll in this game, there's I-frames where you're literally invincible for a certain amount of time. If the frame rate goes down during the I-frames, it actually would double your i So technically, it might help you while you're rolling, even if it's jarring and gets you killed. Just FYI.
1: Yeah, I don't remember how... Because well, that was a thing in Dark Souls in... too, where
0: they didn't adjust for it and you actually were at a disadvantage at 60 frames.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember there were because... some bosses
0: that were almost impossible to roll out of the way from?
1: Yeah, before because, they patched Yeah, I think it. that's that's a big part of the game that I think most people that are into the series would know about is like, yeah, the, the, the tactic for dodging is in these games, you try to time it. So you're, (laughs) so, so you're literally invincible. Like when you roll for like, depending on your speed, I think roll it's speed. like think a it's t- like 6 I, frames. Yeah, but. 6
0: or depending on your like armor set and what you're equipped with, it can be up to 12 or so. Yeah, you're looking at, you know, like a fifth of a second. So, and I think there is a certain amount of hitboxing where if you just like roll literally into the weapon, you'll get hit sometimes, but oftentimes it is literally invincibility. So, I don't know that. I just wanted to touch on Elden Ring performance cuz it's something people have been talking about a lot. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say to that. No. I, I'd say I can't comment on the PC too much outside of it seems like. And Tech Power Up did some testing where they don't actually think it's the anti-cheat. All I can say is on PS5, I'd say they should just adjust the resolution dynamic target a bit from native 4K (laughs) Um, because it would be worth it as long as it, it looks super sharp, um, and on PC and Series X, they say they literally have a perform. They say have a performance patch coming for all versions, where they're going to try to f- optimize it more. So hopefully that's coming. But who needs a performance patch more than Intel, who just doesn't even able to run the game on their integrated graphics, which is I mean... crazy. And and th- I keep seeing people point this stuff out, and it's like, yeah. So that's why I think DG two isn't out yet, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think
1: many people are going to be trying to run this game on, an, uh, on Intel integrated, but I guess enough people have noticed that there are clearly people that want to.
0: <laughs> All right, let me see. I'm going to skip ahead here until considering a paywall for certain Silicon features. They've done this before. If they do it, I don't know. I don't Oh, i will actually affect gamers. I don't have, unless you want to talk about that, I have nothing to say. Also, I guess an honorable mention, they did mention also Arrow Lake, Granite Rapids, and Sierra Forest. And I have leaked details about Granite Rapids. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so if you want to know that, go watch my, uh, what is it, uh, Whispers of Lunar Lake with like Jim Keller and Royal Corps. Look that up. I've had more sources also confirm uh the royal core code name too so that whole leak i did about the royal core project guys watch that video sierra forest i leaked some details about that too that are now officially confirmed by intel the i9-12900ks is coming damn five to ten percent stronger than the 12900k at probably 250 watts Woo! i don't know though again i say this is why there's probably not a 5950x3d they add 10 percent multi-threading five percent more single i don't know the point of launching a 3d stacked. 16 core from AMD is no gamers going to get that over Aldo like anyways, or most won't. And those chiplets with would be better used for, uh, X. Yeah. Also, I, I guess, I don't know. Some places would probably make this a full story, but I didn't, uh, I mean, we now know what PSVR two looks like. Yeah. I
1: I mean, I don't think there's, it it looks like a
0: a VR headset. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think's interesting is how they've, put the cord on the system that to me suggests hmm. it's meant to go forward into the USB-C in the console. So you don't have to like wrap around your legs. Cause that was a problem before with a lot of VR devices. They'd like have the cord go down your spine, but then you're usually plugging it into something in front of you. Yes. And this <laughs> yeah. should make it easy to go behind you or in front of you or to your side. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, I guess the one thing I will say about PSVR two, looking at it, and, and and you know I was on Sacred Symbols talking to Carl Moriarty about it too like what we thought about pricing. I have to say this looks like another device that probably won't cost I mean inflation might affect it but this looks like a $400 headset to me, not a 5 or $600 one. I mean we'll see. My
1: my intuition is that it's going to be $500. You think 500?
0: But, it's not yeah. a low end
1: device if you look at the resolution and stuff. Uh, I think it's a uh... For stuff that's out right now, it's on the
0: high end for resolution. Alright. Also, NVIDIA RTX LHR completely broken by hackers, so you can mine fully, but also it installs malware, malware on your computer. And apparently it works. It lets you mine at full capacity, but then they also install malware if you use it. What is it while you're... Do they know what the malware was, or is it just... Uh, no, it, it seems like it's to steal user data. <laughs>
1: Oh, one of those nice ones, mm-hmm. because uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some BS where like they, I don't know, mine in the background when you don't want to and send it to another address or some shit like that. Which a
0: lot of them would take a 1% mining cut for their yeah. ultra optimized drivers, which I didn't care about usually. No, that from what I'm reading here, this literally, It again, it's funny. It works. So this tells you guys, how many times do I need to tell you this? A lot of these mining firms have millions or billions of dollars. They've had cracked LHR for a year. And now they're just like, "Eh, yeah. mining's going away, so let's see if we can steal some user data. Let's release it to the public." That that's yep. what this is. <laughs> um, all right, Nvidia Ampere GA103 shows up in desktop 3060 Tis. I don't know. This is really weird to me. They yeah, they I, failed to I, become I, a they failed to become a uh 30, uh 3080 Ti laptop. I guess... I guess
1: that's a way to release some of your extra dies that would have been thrown out otherwise. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I just think seeing them all... All of these... This happened now two times, I guess, with the, their newest lineup is weird because I just think there's going to be weird discrepancies in performance uh, with their cards that there are being
0: marketed similarly. yeah. All right, and then let's move on to the final thing in this, which is the GTX 2050, which is a heavily cut down, I believe, 64-bit version of the 3050, but not the MX 570. This is a four gigabyte MX 570. Has been benchmarked, and it seems to be at least in 3D Mark Fire Strike, like 20 percent stronger than the 1650. And about over double what the 450 was. Now, what's interesting, though, is if I go to another link I have here from 9550Pro on Twitter, the Firestrike score for the 450, which I believe is like the 15-watt one there, kind of lines up with the 25-watt one. So what we're seeing is the GTX 2050, yes, it's stronger than a 1650, but yeah i mean i don't know it's still probably only 30 percent better than rembrandt and this is like a full 35 watt card yeah this should be what the 570 is and then the 550 should be what the 570 is i'm sorry it, it, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh it's just getting so close five seventy is
1: the existence of the yeah it's a oh, weird lineup <laughs>
0: But I don't know. I thought we had to mention that, you know, it's about the performance we expected, which is to say a little better than a 1650, but not as good as a 3050. Of course, you know, we'll say nothing by saying that. But all right, let us get to the final reader mails then. Um, Tick Dickler writes in and he says, unexpectedly, Alienware has announced that the QD OLED monitor will release in spring from them at $1,300. That price point makes sense, makes it competitive with LG's smaller TVs, I think. But given the abysmal yields, is this even a real product or are they just making one for Linus Tech Tips? I don't know about the yields. I can't say. And I did Google this and look into it. It's $1,300. It's 175 hertz OLED. 1440p 21 by 9 so in between the resolution of course of 1440p and 4k yeah i think lower res than the tv higher higher refresh rate oled this is arguably a fairly priced monitor finally compared to the new tvs coming out um i i don't know i i think we're just gonna have to see yeah i i I,
1: I feel like that's what You always say with have to say with monitors. I mean, it looks impressive. Hopefully, you'll be able to buy it if you want 1440p 21 by nine. Yeah, but you know, I I think that spells maybe the beginning of
0: more competitively priced OLED monitors. Yeah, maybe sooner than expected. Again, I don't think we'll see a lot of them this year, but I that tells me by late next year, ah, maybe maybe it will be a real option. (laughs) Yeah. Freeman 235 writes in. Hi, Tom. In Broken Silicon 140, a question was asked about buying a PS5 now or waiting for the Pro model. You said if he wants a PS5 now, the weight plus price increase isn't worth it. But you also mentioned something about a performance increase, that 40 CUs, higher clocks, 40% more bandwidth. These are, or even 50 or to 100% more bandwidth, depending on if they really went for the newest GDR6. I thought to myself, why shouldn't the PS5 Pro have much more than 36, or as you said, 40 CUs? Well, so again... I'm not confirming the specs of a PS5 Pro. <laughs> and recently I've been given indi- indication that there may be some, don't assume anything yet. I haven't done a leak confirming specs and release date. And until I do, don't make future plans, right? Is especially cause I don't think it's going to be cheaper than what they have now. So waiting doesn't, you know, make that It'll much benefit you. No, I don't see why it would It'd be kind of like, should I wait for a 30, 80, 12 gigabyte? No. if you can get a 3080 for under 900 no, you know now to your question of why wouldn't it have more than 40 cus i was saying there's multiple ways they can do a pro model they can wait longer design an entirely new die on five nanometer or six nanometer that's bigger and bring something two three times stronger than what they have now and sell it for 700 or conversely they could just die shrink the existing 40 compute unit model to six nanometer And then make the Pro, and again, if you can kind of tell how I'm talking. This is what I think is the better choice. Just make the Pro have 40 compute units. And I've talked to people, they can enable all 40 in the PS4 if they wanted to. To run PS4 Pro backwards compatibility mode, remember, it has both 18 and 36 mode, suggesting Mm -hmm. they could just disable four compute units to run backwards compatibility mode. So... What there would then be is a PS5 Pro mode that games would need to be patched to that has not the 36 compute units, but all 40 enabled, maybe clock 20% faster or 10% faster. And then GDR6 in the PS4 is 14 gigabit per second. That's not very fast. Pretty soon we're going to have 27. There's no reason they couldn't do this then. And like, it, it should handle it on six nanometer. They could literally take the same die with minimal design costs, shrink it to six nanometer. There would be some cost based on what I'm told. And raise core performance by like 30%, raise bandwidth by 50%, and give you something that almost every game now is dynamic resolution and <laughs> you know, uh, di- and different frame rate settings anyways. They could bring you something where it's like, yeah, this is like the PS5, but now the dynamic res just runs in 4K, locked 60. Mm-hmm. And they could conceivably just charge 600 and then just take the yields that don't meet 40 CUs and sell that as the PS5 Slim with 36 CUs enabled. That is the thought. They can have more than 40 if they make a new die, but they can't if they use the same die. And I think given shortages, it may be smart to not bother with a super pro, just make something 40% better that you can make a ton of. I think that makes more sense.
1: Yeah. And it, depending on how it goes, it's almost like they're, they could almost be just leaving money on the table by not doing that. Exactly.
0: Know? And do people really want more performance than that? I'm not so sure. I think they just want to be able to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, anyways, though, uh, let me finish this question. The Pro would make for a perfect 600 to $700 version of a console. I still think they won't go above $600. Um, what could hinder the Pro or even the Series X Elite, if they call it that, for that matter, is a 2 to 2.5 times as strong base as the base version. Something like PS4 backwards compatibility mode, power yields, console sales counts. Oh, yeah, so you're basically just continuing up with what you asked. Greetings from Germany. So, yeah, so that's my answer. That's what I think they should do. And I'll add a caveat to your question here, like, I know for a fact, from multiple sources, they were they were at least and probably are still planning a Series S 6 nanometer refresh at the end of this year, or at least some Series mm-hmm. S refresh that's stronger, maybe faster RAM. Um, and again, it's worth mentioning 18 gigabit per second is about to be low-end GDR6, so... They almost might as well make a stronger <laughs> sku you know if it's going to cost the same um and then i know for a fact they were looking into multiple versions of the ps5 pro but i can't promise you if they'll still decide to release them because it kind of is starting to sound like me like oh they heard you guys loud and clear the bunch of people bitched on reddit when they heard my leak about the ps5 pro and they're like oh you don't want one Okay. yeah, yeah. (laughs) that don't rule out that could happen, but I just can't confirm that happened yet. But I am getting some indications that whatever their initial plans were for some super pro, something's changing where they're focusing more Mm. on availability. So they heard you guys. (laughs) But QH Freddy writes him. How much do you think engineering costs could factor into a relatively high unit cost of the Steam Deck? I can't imagine they will sell the volume as things like the Switch or the Cons or their consoles. No, not even a tenth. Also, Valve doesn't have the same tier of in-house development and product pedigree where they can just copy-paste design elements from previous products that laptop manufacturers have. They don't have locked-in manufacturing contracts either like companies who are constantly churning out products. I think they potentially have quite a lot more costs and a smaller production run on which they can amortize cost over time because of that i'm inclined to believe that a lot of the estimates people have of the cost can be thrown off um i don't think so you know i think that you have these kickstarter companies that are selling one thousand dollar handhelds and making for sure a profit on it or they wouldn't be making them they have to they're Mm -hmm. a smaller company i would say that's the same difference to valve as valve to sony you know, if Sony can afford to sell these at cost for five hundred dollars, and then Valve is probably making a small profit at five hundred dollars, that's believable. When you see Kickstarters making a profit of a thousand, it's all economy of scale. Those Kickstarter handhelds are not selling a hundred thousand even. So if they're selling five million, that's that's enough. And again, like there is something to be said for like R and D. Valve is not literally; they're not. Well, Valve is buying more, more off-the-shelf parts too than uh, what Sony Exactly, this is an off-the-shelf APU. They didn't have that design cost, so that fixes it. And again, there's like this R&D thing where they're just like, if we don't charge this much more on the console there, there is an amount of, they know they'll make Steam sales. So there's some of that there. It's just in between what Sony's doing and what the others are doing. And I think that's easy to believe because it is a $500 console that is a 10th the performance of a PS5 with a 720p <laughs> screen. I think they're profiting yeah. on it. They just can't, you know, it's again, it's in between. I, I, I think everything going on here, what you're saying is definitely a factor, but that's why it's $500, not 1000 like some of these Kickstarter handhelds. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan, that is all of the reader mails. I mean, do you have anything else, Dan? Anything else to talk about? No, I don't think so. Well, damn. All I can say is number one, I need to finish up work, and after this, I want to play Elden Ring with you some more because that's all I want to do right now. Number two, thank you to everyone who's listened. You know, remember to subscribe to the Morseau is Dead YouTube channel, ring the bell button, subscribe to Broken Silicon on your podcast app of choice, give us a review on that podcast app, especially on iTunes. That it helps us go up the ratings and get recommended to more people. Um, if you can support us, support us on Patreon, where you like two dollars a month gets you exclusive podcasts, the ability to ask me. And guest questions in the guest episodes access to the discord four dollars a month gets you this early and ad free and ask reader mails in every episode and you get free questions on loose ends which are becoming a staple uh which is you know we're not sure if we get rid of them we're going to keep them coming every month now that we have a sponsor with more uh micro center there as you guys haven't noticed and i mean you'll get that early and uh you get to ask questions on that for free there's other content that comes out for free It's all there. We can't do this without our patrons. This isn't a sustainable business without patrons (laughs) because otherwise income is all over the place. And otherwise, I don't know. Tell your friends about us. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon, co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.mooreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on broken silicon die shrink and loose ends, and, of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover States podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead. At gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Mellon, Anthony Gareffa, Dale Russell, Jeremy Scalen, Loophole 35, Thomas Rupp, I love you, Lynn and Jim, Ivan K., Tom Bailey, Muhammad Al Eric Osborne, Jeff Seller, Andre Jacques, Sarcastro, Terrence Harrod, Full, Phil S., D31337, Antics, Jackson A. Miller, Jesse Jesskowiak, Josh Law, Brandon, Travis Gooding, the Mechanical Philosopher, Gaiman Since Reagan, Fatboy Disaru, Daniel Hyde, a guy in PA81, Nathan Mose, Cole Addict, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, F7GOS, Matthew Landavazo, My Name is Nobody, Justin N. Lethros, Jensen Wang, Hey There's a Kitty, Greg T. Wanchik, Rentaru Matsukata, John Jameson, Sam Venzel Matthew Lane, Mark Raidmaker, Jan Rauner, Chris Lakata, Michael McGee, Meyer Techrance, Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Patrick Groh, 3DSY08, Dominique Cox, Stefan, Original Ross, Sandy Garrido Saunderson, Joaquin Hagen, Teak Autumn, Sol Conner, Michael Costa, Delmaine Peterson, Zijits, Aaron Keith, Gregory S. Ecker, Hexapuma, Tom Sanfilippo, Justice Brennan, Zutsu Taylor, Trevor Power, Stu, Alenia, Nanya, Daniel Nishwal, Franco Frederick, Dane Galinowski, Ian Clifford, Axel Cisneros, Layton Perry, Joseph Kerrman, Brett Summers, Blake, Denovan Russell, Noah Nicola, Zlicky, Martin Porceghi, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Hulam, Patrick JS, Justin Staples, Freddie Canoas Jr., Stephen Coates, Kiwi Phil, Brucha, Jeremy Show, Michelle Pell, Silvanos, Eddie Del Castillo, Jacob Lasser, Luis Correa, Deke, Chris P. Air Bakken, Tyler Lindley, Tim Robbins, Jake223, Brian Riggleman, Justin Gower, Caillou Markelli, Dave McCoy, Valcom Malek, Game Lanter, Rodney, DNA Tech, Michael Deaton, MJB1, Maurice Courtois, Wesley Sager, Chrysantine, Mai Sharona, Y. Truy, Roman, w., William W. Draper, Air Rats, MG Spam, Henry Shane, Stefan Hart, Christopher A. Butler, Greg, Peter Moore, Amy Will Chief, Justin Sum, Thomas, Sam Miller, Sammy Malas, James Anderson, Shakir, Nick Raikin, Holden Mobley, Matthew Lazier, R. Pete Sharma, Meat and Pork, Jimmy N. G., Mads, Matthew Lazier, Benjamin Osley, Mark Mitchell, Seal TV, Couteau Aaron, John Ruzeng, Mohammed, John DeBont, Pulse Media, Sean Ashmont, Daniel Dewar, Stefan Jang, JSMMH, Georgie Georgi Kastadinov, PCBs22, Reginald Arieh, Narithiel, Ivan, Charles Russell, Hal Buma, Akarsh Editha The Grid Andrew S Chris Rich Pawel Zigartowski, Desist Zabito3 and of course thank you to Sahara for the music